This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. We want to begin with some surprising information that we received. Another batch of Biden documents with classified markings were found. The White House and the president's lawyers wouldn't answer simple questions about those documents, including what's in them and when will we learn more. As part of the Justice Department's review, officials looked at the possibility of classified documents at other locations. And sources tell us the number of sensitive documents found is larger than initially believed. More calls for George Santos to resign from Congress, this time from Republican leadership in his own district. But Santos is digging in. His lies were not mere fibs. He disgraced the House of Representatives. It's time to go. It's time to get out. George Santos does not have the ability to serve here in the House of Representatives. I will not. Rock guitar legend Jeff Beck, considered one of the best in his field, has died at the age of 78. Beck's rep says the innovative guitarist died yesterday peacefully after suddenly contracting bacterial meningitis. the first time in my career I can say this that I played the same song to start my radio show same song over a three day period you may remember two days ago Rod Stewart whose voice you hear on this song celebrated his 78th birthday and even though I love a lot of Rod Stewart's songs tonight's the night and Maggie May and hot legs and all that good stuff we started our show two days ago by playing this exact song. Together, Rod Stewart and Jeff Beck, people get ready. Kind of feel badly about playing this now because out of the corner of my eye, I can see the TVs in the newsroom, New York One, Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, and Joe Scarborough and Mika have now spent the first 
three or four minutes of their show, and they continue to talking about the death of Jeff Beck, which is exactly what I'm doing. Not good. (laughs) I never want to be on the same page. Now they've got a whole panel of guests talking about Jeff Beck dying at 78 years old and talking about Eric Clapton looked up to Jeff Beck. Keith Richards looked up to Jeff Beck. So we started the show two days ago with this song. I'm at dinner last night with my beautiful wife, Danielle, my son, Gabriel, at Rocco's Italian Restaurant, which is a great place, 116 in Rockaway, Lewis, the Vin and Vin combination. And I get a uh, direct message from a lady named Amy Epstein, who is a huge fan of this program. And she goes, wow, you just played this song. And I'm like, Danielle, did Rod Stewart die? Because he came to mind first. And she's like, I don't think so. So I sent the message back to Amy. I said, what happened? She said, Jeff Beck died. I said, oh, my God, wow. Literally the day after we played this song, the guy passed away. So I come in this morning, and, you know, I'm, uh, I have about an hour's worth of conversation, 5 a.m. between me and Macedonia, Phil, Justin, Ellick, and the night guys are still here. So most mornings I speak to Frank Morano, who I love dearly, uh, the guy Blaze. Um, Matt Blaze. Matt Blaze, right. Uh, the kid Kenneth and uh, Alex Barnard. So I guess this uh, Alex Barnard is like a musician, I guess. I don't know. Is he, is he, is he, he's, he's in a band or yeah, something. Yeah, he's, he's in a band. Yeah, kid he is very those, talented. Those weird punk metal Yeah, shirts. he wears like stupid T-shirts and he's uh, it's like, you know. He's actually a very talented kid. He's got a great news voice. Yes. In fact, he's the reason why Frankie Diaz got fired. Because he filled in for Deb one day, and he was so good. And they're like, why do we have Frankie Diaz here? I don't think that's true to any extent. That's 100% true. If he would have come in and bombed that morning, Frankie would still be the backup. But Alex was so good, they fired Frankie Diaz. 100% true. Oh, I'm surprised Frank what are your didn't, sources? didn't put something I don't have in, any sources. He should have put something in his drink. But <laughs> well, this is a hypothesis. This is entirely... No, no, this is um, uh, my gut feeling. So it's not 100% fact. 1,000%. My gut feeling okay, is no, as good as money. So, but he has no uh, remorse, of course. He comes in every morning, does this thing. Like, you know, poor Frankie is out there, you know, performing oral for beer money on Wednesdays. Well, he might like it. With the homeless last night, me and Eric Adams had to feed Frankie Diaz. (laughs) But uh, there's a Barnard is, uh, you know, he's a big music guy. And I'm walking, I walk in, I go, listen, I just found out that uh, he didn't die. They made a mistake. Jeff Beck is, in fact, alive. So then I see Alex Barnard walk over to a computer really <laughs> quietly. Because <laughs> he believed me. And that inspired him to do this report. If you listen to Deb Valentine's terrific news show every morning, Alex Barnard does a lot of the news reports. And uh, my, um, my yelling and screaming, Jeff Beck isn't dead, inspired Alex to give us this Sid Rosenberg, Fake News Report. I'm Alex Barnard here with your 77 WABC Fake News on this Thursday, January 12th edition of Sid and Friends in the Morning. Of course, it has been widely reported that rock legend Jeff Beck has died at the age of 78 of bacterial meningitis. But if you listen to what Sid Rosenberg has to say, like... I foolishly did earlier this morning, you would find out that he's, in fact, not dead. Uh, Sid was walking around the studio here about 5.30 going, oh, you know, Jeff Beck, he's not dead. He's not dead. Uh, It's it's, uh, fake news. So 
me, being the gullible prick that I am, uh, I looked it up. And, uh, of course, without any surprise, I found out that Jeff Beck was indeed dead. So thank you very much, Sid, for confusing the hell out of me. I'm Alex Barnard here with your 77 WABC Fake News. So a lot of uh, the GOP guys, I think, wish George Santos was uh, dead about now. <laughs> I mean, my God, it has gotten so ugly for uh, George you know, we were so excited for George Santos and the Republicans on Election Day. He's one of the four Republicans that actually flipped the seat. Mark Molinaro, upstate New York. A guy that's become a good friend of mine in Rockland County, Mike Lawler. Peter King's guy, Anthony D'Esposito, out on Long Island. And George Santos, also on Long Island, won. And we were very excited. And it turns out that George Santos... His whole life is a lie. He lied about everything on his resume. I mean everything. I've got a friend. She's a cute girl. This uh, Chris Lenzo. She runs the Upper East Side Metropolitan Republican Club. And, uh, you know, she represented, like, Joe Pinion during his race. And uh, the kid that lost to Letitia James, Michael Henry, during his race. She's really politically attuned. Beautiful young girl. And all she does all day long is send out memes about George Santos. The Republican Party is so furious with this guy, and they're begging him every day to resign. He was just sworn in a couple of days ago. Don't forget, he was not sworn in until Kevin McCarthy became the official Speaker of the House, which did happen. So now Santos has been sworn in, but they want him out. One of the guys I really like in uh, Nassau County, Pete King's territory, is a GOP chair, Joe Cairo. Like this guy a lot. And he was out yelling and screaming yesterday because all these Long Island GOP folks, Joe Cairo, the Nassau County executive, my friend Bruce Blakeman, all these folks got together and were yelling and screaming about Santos. He got to quit. So let's start with uh, Nassau GOP chair, Joe Cairo Lewis, cut number one, talking about Santos's campaign. George Santos's campaign last year was a campaign of deceit, lies, and fabrication. He deceived the voters of the 3rd Congressional District. He deceived the members of the Nassau County Republican Committee, elected officials, his colleagues, candidates, his opponents, and even some of the media. His lies were not mere fibs. He disgraced the House of Representatives. And in particular, his fabrications went too far. Many groups were hurt. Specifically, I look at those families that were touched by the horrors of the Holocaust and feel for them. He goes on, Joe Cairo, the Nassau GOP county chair, to say, George Santos, you need to go home, brother. This is Joe Cairo Lewis, cut number two. He has no place in the Nassau County Republican Committee, nor should he serve in public service nor as an elected official. He's not welcome here at Republican headquarters for meetings or at any of our events. As I said, he's disgraced the House of Representatives, and we do not consider him one of our Congress people. Today, on behalf of the Nassau County Republican Committee, I am calling for his immediate resignation. <laughs> you can call for whatever you want. George Santos on record saying yesterday, I ain't leaving. So um, I'm with Cairo, but uh, George said, I ain't leaving. This is the Nassau County executive, a guy that readily admits that uh, the main reason why he won outside of Todd Kaminsky was me. 
Uh, Bruce Blakeman, he goes on to talk about George Santos as well. This is Lou Bruce Blakeman, cut number three. He does not deserve that right. He is a stain on the House of Representatives. He's a stain on the 3rd Congressional District. My office will have no interaction with George Santos or his staff until he resigns. He goes on to talk about George Santos's mental health. Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman, Lou Rufino, cut number four. A person who tells that length and breadth of lies built one on top of the other is not a normal person. He needs to get help. It went as far as even Rep. Nancy Mace. I know that um, Mark Levin was all over Nancy Mace last night. The great one, uh, you know, he believes that Nancy Mace needs to, uh, quote-unquote, do her job, make a difference, and get Santos out of there. So she was on uh, Nancy. I kind of like Nancy. She was on Fox last night. She also talked about George Santos. This uh, Lou Rufino, Nancy Mace, cut number five. I learned after I said those remarks a few days ago that he allegedly had his campaign manager impersonate the chief of staff of the now Speaker of the House to raise money for his campaign. Um, whatever the standard is, whatever the standard we hold the left to, we should also hold ourselves to. Um, this is a place where you know, this person, he, he literally made up his life story and his resume up until just a few days ago when he changed his website bio. Uh, this is not someone that can be trusted. It is a problem for us. Something that needs to be worked out. And if we're going to kick Eric Swalwell off his committees for intel because he's been potentially compromised by someone of the Chinese Communist Party, then so, too, we should take the same keen eye to George Santos in this case. But she takes it a step further. In this cut, Nancy Mace, she talks about a criminal investigation. Lewis, this is Nancy Mace, cut number six. I'm assuming there'll be criminal investigations and also an investigation by the FEC because there are a lot of questions about his campaign expenditures, whether he paid rent to himself out of his campaign account, et cetera. And so that'll take a few months, but I believe the process will will clear up uh, the challenges we're seeing right now with his swearing in. One more. I mentioned him earlier. Pete King loves this guy. So do I. One of the four guys that... Uh, one on that big election day out of Long Island. Santos was one. The other was Anthony D'Esposito. He also called for Santos to resign yesterday. Lou, this is Anthony D'Esposito, cut number seven. George Santos does not have the ability to serve here in the House of Representatives and should resign. All right, so that is the George Santos story. Everybody coming together in the GOP asking George Santos to resign before he faces a criminal investigation. And again, George Santos yesterday said, nah, I'm going to stick around. The other, uh, well, not the other, we have a lot of major stories to cover today. I mean, a ton of major stories. Dana White had a press conference yesterday. You may not know this, but back on New Year's Eve, Mr. UFC smacked his wife across the face. Stephen A. Smith involved in this. Jamel Hill involved in this. That's a story we got to get to. But the um, obviously these documents that they found at Joe Biden's center. Well, guess what, folks? Not just there. Now they have found Joe Biden documents in two places. And look, right now it looks like President Donald Trump will join me on this show a week from today. I am waiting for confirmation later on this morning. 8.05 next Thursday morning, President Trump. And whether you like President Trump or not, and I don't care if you do or you don't, I don't care. There are facts, and the double standard, the way Donald Trump gets treated, 
compared to others, just isn't fair. Now, life isn't fair. I get it. You know, but they, they went to his house in Mar-a-Lago, SWAT teams, FBI guys going into his wife's underwear drawer, knocking down doors. I mean, they, they, they were nicer to Pablo Escobar than Donald Trump. And now we've got two locations for Joe Biden, and the DOJ is not taking this seriously. They sweep it under the rug. You barely heard about this. This is not right. You cannot treat Donald Trump one way and Democrat politicians another. I know we're used to it. That's just the way it's been. But it's wrong. And now two separate places they have found documents that Joe Biden never should have had. If you missed the local report last night on CBS 2, it sounded like this when they found another location. Lewis, this is CBS 2 New York, cut number eight. But we want to begin with some surprising information that we received. Another batch of Biden documents with classified markings were found. The White House and the president's lawyers wouldn't answer simple questions about those documents, including what's in them and when will we learn more. As part of the Justice Department's review, officials looked at the possibility of classified documents at other locations. And sources tell us the number of sensitive documents found is larger than initially believed. There you have it, folks. More documents than initially believed. Two separate locations. And again, we're not that far removed from this imbecile, this feeble moron, Joe Biden, from going on 60 Minutes and tearing Donald Trump a new one for the documents at Mar-a-Lago. And it turns out, of course, that Joe Biden, not as president, that's one thing, but as Barack Obama's vice president, has done the same thing. Shocker, shocker. Big show coming your way today, 7.40 a.m. He's here every Thursday. Judge Andrew Napolitano. Coming up at 8.40 a.m., the ratings grab of the week, the all-time best, the great Bill O'Reilly. 9.05, making his second appearance of the week. He's on every Tuesday and Thursday now, my dear friend Bo Deedle. And coming up at 9.25, the great Dr. Mark Siegel. Big Thursday show, and again, President Trump, a week from today. All that right here on the number one Nielsen-rated news talk show in New York City and the self-proclaimed best talk show anywhere in America. That's me. That's us. Sid and friends in the morning. Only right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. If you've had an accident, trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read all of their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today at 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email at Info at GoboLaw.com. Gobble Law, where winning is no accident. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC.
Madonna Summer Classic. She works hard for the money at 626 on your Thursday morning with a huge show ahead. Judge Angelo Napolitano, Bill O'Reilly, Bo Deedle, Dr. Mark Siegel. Today is also Howard Stern's birthday, and I love him. I know a lot of you don't. I don't care. I've got some really cool audio of my appearance on the Howard Stern Show back in 2006 that I'll play. It's also Rush Limbaugh's birthday today. And uh, while Rush is still considered by most, including me, the greatest conservative talk show host ever, there's one moment in his career that I'll never forget because I spent most of my career before this huge success as a sports guy. And a lot of you folks may have forgotten, but Rush Limbaugh (laughs) had a short stint on Monday Night Football. Megadittos, footballers. (laughs) He made one comment about a certain Philadelphia Eagle quarterback, and it was over. He spent about as much time there as Anthony Scaramucci did, my friend, as the communications director for uh, President Donald Trump. But uh, why did you play that song by Donna Summer? There was uh, something behind that, eh? Uh, yeah, well, it's the, with the current news situation going on and uh, the teacher's strike, which teachers. Seems- uh, teachers, I'm sorry, nurses. No. <laughs> oh, the nurse. Well, the it's nurse. over. That's yes. right. Uh, after right. Uh, three days, the nurses, Mount Sinai Hospital, going back to work. And, of course, I hate making these stories about myself. I really do. But yeah. Sunday morning, I got a text from a nurse who works at Mount Sinai. And, she, and I swear to God, she said, Sid, we need your help. And I said, how can I possibly help you? She said, Sid, you're a powerful guy. I said, I am? Yes, you are. You're friends with the mayor. You've got a ton of listeners. Number one radio host for news in New York. You're a very powerful guy. We need your help. We're about to picket strike tomorrow. Can you please get the word out? So I have to think that 72 hours later. (laughs) Why are you laughing? All of those politicians and powerful men you have in your pocket, said Rosenberg. I have to think that because I brought so much attention to this, um, this unfortunate situation. And I did text Mayor Eric Adams right away Sunday morning, and I read you his responses on Monday morning. I have to think, without making it about myself, that I had a lot to do with fixing this uh, nurse's yeah, yeah, we, It was a long way to get to that. We knew no. where you were going. Yeah. We, we knew that. Yeah, you fixed it. That's a great, great no. thing. I'll no. just give you credit for that. Okay. That's great. No. And on the, so you've had quite a week. Why is that, Lou? Because, uh, so you fixed, it appears maybe you had a hand in fixing the, nurse. the nurse's strike. Uh-huh. And then uh, on the other side of the coin, you killed a rock star. Oh, come you bastard. No, 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 no. First thing I, did, I thought of last I did not night. kill First Jeff Beck. Thing, and you came in and said the same thing. Can you believe <laughs> the day after we play people get ready yeah one of the key pe- he's no. dead well can you believe it i went yes yeah, the first thing i thought well of the was. last couple of days we okay. played all these artists pat benatar celebrated her 70th birthday a couple of days ago played her music jimmy page celebrated his 79th birthday we played led zeppelin music we played rod stewart are you telling me now that because we played the music or i picked some of these songs they're all gonna die I would say this. I'd advise the, those artists you just mentioned to yeah. gather their families together <laughs> and say prayers. So according to Lou Rufino, Sid Rosenberg played a hand in ending the nurses' strike 
and Jeff Beck dying from spinal meningitis. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Can't argue. Or actually, I'll say, the sitteth, giveth, and taketh away. <laughs> You're right on the money, Lou. <laughs> <laughs> what else can we conclude from oh, this? That is funny. <laughs> When's the last time you heard people get ready? <laughs> it was been a long time. Oh, really? Oh, boy. Oh, oh, oh. oh boy. Oh, go figure. Maybe Lou's got something here. Rod, Maybe there's something to this. Rod Stewart, gather your documents. <laughs> You're funny. Uh, traffic and sports. That's great. Great job there, Lewis. Traffic and sports coming up next, but right now it's time. Stay in that room, too, by the way. <laughs> For the 77 WABC minicast clip of the day, get the whole story in under 10 New York minutes. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Today's mini podcast is from my good buddy John Katz and Matidis. His great show, 5 p.m. every weekday, Katz at Night. Here he's talking with Steve Cates, a.k.a. Dr. Sky, about outer space and beyond. Thank God us- Frank Rano's listening. He's going to love this. Go ahead. Katz and Cates. Give us a little bit of a recap, if you can, about what the highlights in terms of space travel were in 2022. There were 186 space launches around the globe. 60 missions were from SpaceX, and interestingly enough, 64 launches from China. And though that doesn't add up to the number I said before, there's been a lot of other nations that have had rocket launches, private companies that have also joined the, you know, big foray into low Earth orbit and beyond. And, of course, the big highlights, I think, has to go if we were going to award a prize here on the other side of midnight. I think Frank would probably give the award naturally to the SpaceX. Don't forget about Jeff Bezos. Blue Origin also in the space tourism area is very strong. This is Sid on Sports. Sponsored by Fearless Boilers on 77 WABC. I got a funny from text, a funny text from Frank Rano. He said, too much bureaucracy going on here at ABC. He's right about that. This is sports. My dear friend Pete Morgan. Check him out. Peerless Boilers. Peerlessboilers.com. Paviliontankless.com. They do build America's best boilers. My boy Corey Zelnick, his red-hot Knickerbockers back in action last night against the Indiana Pacers. Did they get another win? You're going to find out right now from my guy, Justin Ellick. Well, thank you, Sydney. They indeed did get another W in the next day. I last the Indiana Pacers at home by a score of 119-113. to Jalen Brunson once again continued to lead the Knicks in the right direction here, pouring in a game-high 34 points to help New York to victory. And R.J. Barrett... He wasted no time knocking off the rust in his return from a finger injury that had him out six games as he enjoyed a nice night as well with his 27 points. The Knicks, they nearly squandered a 25-point third-quarter lead, but uh, Jalen Brunson said after the game, a win is a win, and they'll take this one into a contest on the road in Washington against the Wizards tomorrow night. Looking ahead to hardwood action tonight, it's just the Nets in action as they get set to welcome in the Boston Celtics for a 7.30 p.m tip-off and early offseason news out of Gain Green's front office here as the Jets and offensive coordinator Mike LaFleur agreed to part ways yesterday. The move comes as no surprise as the Jets showed really no improvement under LaFleur. The recent speculation about LaFleur's job status prompted teams to inquire about his availability and the Jets clearly allowed him to pursue those opportunities. The search for a replacement will begin today and looking ahead to local sports action tonight you got a couple hockey games to look forward to. The Rangers, they get set to welcome in the Dallas Stars at 7 p.m. And the Islanders will welcome in the Minnesota Wild for a 7.30 p.m. puck drop. Here with your bottom of the hour sports update, I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. 
On the Thursday prior to Super Bowl III, Jets quarterback Joe Namath guaranteed victory. The Colts were determined to prove him wrong. Namath backed up his bold prediction, guiding a crisp ball-controlled passing attack balanced by the running of Matt Snell, who totaled 121 yards and a score. Benson, yes, 54 years ago today, on this date, January the 11th, back in 1969, my friend who's been on this show many, many, many times, Broadway, Joe Namath, delivered the guarantee, sitting on a lounge chair all oiled up in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, (laughs) with his Jets a 17-point underdog to... The great Don Shula, Johnny Unitas, and the Baltimore Colts. Before Super Bowl three. Namath said, we're going to win. <laughs> and sure enough, at the Orange Bowl down in Miami, the Jets did win. 16-7. to Matt Snell over 100 yards. A big, um, one of their wide receivers, it wasn't Don Maynard, it was the other guy. He had over 100 yards receiving. George Sauer, there you go. Namath won the MVP. It could have gone to a bunch of folks. Some places the Jets were as much as an 18-point favorite. But Namath made that guarantee today. There have been a bunch of guarantees in New York sports history. You may, the biggest one big from, one. well, before game six, Rangers and Devils, 1994, Mark Messier guaranteed the Rangers would win. Said it on the back page, we'll win. Will win tonight, I think it was. On yes, the tonight. Or, or and not only tonight. did they win, but Mark Messier scored a hat trick. Yeah. And by the way, every goal came at even strength, not one power play goal. That is uh, getting it done. And it's funny, I would say that because on this day, back in 2006, 17 years ago, the Rangers retired Mark Messier's number 11. At Madison Square Garden. Oh, Joe. How about tying it in like that, Lewis? Oh, Joe, that's going up to the rafters. (laughs) There's a story talking about quarterbacks, New York quarterbacks, in today's New York Post. Now, usually when you go to the local papers, all the sports are on the back pages. Only when a sports guy does something horrible, (laughs) it doesn't make the first couple of pages. Yet on on, uh, page 7 in today's New York Post, page 7... Some girl named Kirsten Fleming, I've never heard of her, she writes a story titled Vanilla Nice. Quarterback Jones is boring, and that's hot. And it's a picture of Giants quarterback Daniel Jones in a T-shirt carrying his helmet. It says, man of mystery, more players should mimic Daniel Jones' low-key backpacking personality. 
So uh, she claims he's boring. He is. He's a Duke kid. He's very smart. You never read about Daniel Jones, much like Derek Jeter. Look, Jeter was out all the time. He was. He just didn't get any trouble. But whether it was Tino Martinez or Jorge Posada, he was out all the time. You never read about Daniel Jones. Never. And the Giants are getting set to take on the Minnesota Vikings in a 4.30 p.m. kickoff. Playoff game two of three on Sunday. One of the six playoff games this weekend. Two on Saturday, three on Sunday. And then Monday night, Tom Brady and the Buccaneers hosting Dak Prescott and the Cowboys. But uh, Daniel Jones, boring, and that's hot. And Eli was kind of boring, too. He was. Boring. And he won two Super Bowls. Right. That's it. The Mannings are just focused on that. Yeah. You know, they're doing the I mean, Phil game. Sims was kind of boring. It wasn't like Phil yeah. Sims was out there like LT doing coke every night. Right. And he was surrounded by some crazies. Yeah, but he wasn't team. crazy, Phil. No. Kind of like Keith Hernandez and Gary Carter on the Mets. Hey, I mean, you guys want to do that? That's all right. I, I don't know. You know, <laughs> just don't put me on that other show with that skip idiot Layla. Oh, he was so mad at Bayless yeah, last that, week. That, that's why. Oh, my great. God. I know. You never hear I him, know. really. I know. That, that was some great Phil Sims uh, audio right love, here on this show last week. Phil. So we did bring up um, about 20 minutes ago the whole new document story attached to Joe Biden. Now there are more documents. They have found another location. And it seems that uh, Joe Biden, who once again took Donald Trump to task on 60 Minutes, seemingly has done the same thing and has proved once again to be a hypocrite and a liar. Here is uh, Lindsey Graham. This is great audio on Fox News last night calling for a special counsel on this Joe Biden document situation. This is cut number 10. Well, number one, thank God for Peter. You got a room full of reporters, and he was the only person to ask the administration, oh, by the way, apparently there were classified documents uh, in a closet uh, in, in, in a room outside the the White House that belonged to the vice president uh, in his archives, and Peter was the only guy. They knew this six days before the election, and nobody said anything. So every conservative out there is completely disgusted with the standard that exists in America when it comes to conservatives and everybody else. So what I think, I think if you believe a special counsel is necessary to assure the public about the handling of classified documents by Donald Trump, you should apply a special counsel to the mishandling of do- classified documents by President Biden when he was vice president. That's what I think. I think he's exactly right. He referred to Peter in that statement. Of course, he's talking about Peter Ducey, the son of Steve Ducey. Steve is on Fox and Friends on Fox News every morning with my friend Brian Kilmeade and Ainsley Earhart. Peter is that one voice, that one voice in that room going at Kareem Jean-Pierre. But unlike Jim Acosta, who was such a dick to Donald Trump, Peter Ducey does it with some style and some grace. He's a smart kid. He does ask the right questions, which usually are tough questions because all the Biden administration does is lie. That's all they do. And, you know, when you've got somebody up there like uh, Peppermint Patty, who now works at MSNBC, Jen Psaki, you can do it because she was really smart. Say what you want about Jen Psaki. You may not have liked her, but she was a very, very effective speaker. In fact, she was great. This one now, Corrine Jean-Pierre, she's a moron. No other way to put it. She's an absolute moron. She checks boxes. She's black, gay, whatever. Who cares? But she can't compete with Peter Ducey. 
He rips it to pieces every time. So here, Peter and uh, KJP get into the classified documents situation. This is uh, Peter Ducey to KJP, Lou Rapino, cut number 11. How could anyone be that irresponsible? It, isn't that what this president says about mishandling classified documents? The president spoke to this personally. He spoke to this personally. He, again, he believes that uh, classified documents and information should be taken seriously. He takes them seriously. And he was surprised it, it, to learn by any, any records. Had been. I disagree. I, I disagree. Here's what happened. Here's what happened once then his work. Well, let me, let me explain to you uh, okay. the process. Here's what happened when uh, his lawyers found out that the documents were there. They immediately turned them over oh. uh, to their archives. Oh. But they were but there, they the there for seven years. The they did the right thing I'm not going to go into specifics, but I'm going, <laughs> I, what I'm reiterating to you is what you heard from the president yourself. Oh, that makes it good. Uh, Which is how he saw the process Mm -hmm. and how he respects and truly uh, uh, respects Ah. and takes this very seriously. And when he knew uh, and how surprised he was by it and the actions that, uh, the the right actions that the lawyers took. Again, this is under under (coughs) review by the Department of Justice, and we're going to let that process continue. There's one more with this uh, moron. This is number 12, Peter Ducey, trying to get information from KJP, who was trying to convince Peter Ducey, hey, the president made a statement. You got to go with that. Like, he's not a lying bastard. This is cut number 12. How can President Biden be trusted moving forward with America's secrets? Good question. Because his lawyers, his team did the right thing. (laughs) He had a closet with classified information. Again, again. Again, he did. He was surprised that the records were there. He spoke to this personally. That makes it. He was surprised that the that the records were there, and when his lawyers found out and his team found out that they were there, uh, they turned it over to their archives. And now it's being reviewed by the Department of Justice. There it is. Love the chemistry. Love it. Big, seamless. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's a process. We're going through the process. Again. Yeah. Again. Again. We're going through the process. I love Peter Ducey. I really do. 1-800-848-WABC. As always, that's the number. 1-800-848-9222. I'll meet you later, Peter. Really like you. Uh, we've like already covered a lot on this program. Everything from Jeff Beck passing away, Joe Namath, Mark Messier, Daniel Jones. Documents already. It's only 52 minutes old. And we've got four great guests stopping by today. Judge Andrew Napolitano, Bill O'Reilly, always amazing on a Thursday, Bo Deedle, and Dr. Mark Siegel. Keep it right here. Sitting friends in the morning only on Talk Radio 77 WABC. With crime running rampant in New York, you need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time-consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347-559-7052. 347-559-7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYC. This is Sid and Friends 
in the morning. But you say he's just a friend. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. I want to thank my neighbor yesterday, the great Billy, and his beautiful wife, Jackie Felton. He's a fireman. He came over and stopped the water that was running down four floors of my house. My house is ruined, of course, and we're there now, but we are supposed to be leaving any day now and moving out for the better part of five months. That's how long it's going to take to rebuild it. It's going to be more gorgeous than ever, but it's about a five-month stay, and we were supposed to leave Saturday. But now I think it's going to be a little longer than that. But uh, everybody in my neighborhood chipped in. Billy Felton, my next-door neighbor, the fireman, shut the water off. Lenny Chiazza lives across the street. He's the plumber that fixed the uh, two frozen pipes that burst. Everybody in my neighborhood is great. Louis Gampero and Joe Murray, of course, a big-time attorney in my neighborhood. Joe and Maria Ferrante live down the block. They've been great friends, too. I'll tell you, man, you, uh, you move into a, a neighborhood like that, Bell Harbor, Rockaway, Naponset, and it is it is hard to explain the brotherhood. You just don't have that living in a building in New York City. I mean, I lived on the Upper West Side. They hated my guts. They hated my guts. And here, they, um, they don't know what to do for you first. You've been living there for a long time. You know what I'm talking about, Louis. I am. That area you're in is uh, quite nice. Isn't it? Yeah, it's beautiful. Well, now you can put some things in that you haven't had before. Like what? Like the indoor hot tub that we've been after you to. <laughs> yeah, you right. Just, right. You know, well, it gets a little water around, but you're used to that. <laughs> just a little bit. Like, yeah. You know, you come in from the beach and you just come in and you get get in some more water. I think right? Eric Adams would like it if you got the indoor hot oh, tub. Oh, here we go again. Yeah. Was Curtis doing that nonsense again yesterday? Do I need to answer that question? You know, I get all these uh, text messages. Oh, shit, Curtis, he's a hero. He's a legend. Don't kick him off the show. Be nice. And I don't want to keep maligning my listening audience, but some of you, you just, you can't figure out the difference between shtick, real life. 99% of what Curtis says outside of his real jealousy for the mayor, real jealousy, because he got his ass kicked, is all shtick. And almost 100% of what I say is all shtick, too. I just don't care. So I let Curtis yell and scream every afternoon, and all he wants to do is end up on this show. That's all he cares about. That's it. The more I talk about Sid, the better chances I've got 
on him mentioning me or putting me on in the mornings. It's really that simple, folks. If you haven't figured that out, you're not as smart as you think you are. Big 7 a.m. hour about to come your way. Bill O'Reilly's morning message and the judge, Andrew Napolitano. Our number two of the Thursday edition of Sid and Friends in the Morning. Coming back at you. WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. One of my favorite bands of all time. I, I know I'm going to be 56 years old. Not a lot of guys my age that talk a lot about the Goo Goo Dolls, but I love these guys. Out of Buffalo, New York, Resnick's got a great voice. And I did see these guys live in concert a couple of years ago up at Bethel Woods, which is the original site of Woodstock. My mother, Naomi, lives uh, a mile away. Our home in White Lake is a mile away from Yasgur's farm. The, the real Woodstock site, not Woodstock in Saugerties, New York. And uh, they built this beautiful amphitheater there where they have great shows every summer. Danielle and I go to a bunch of shows every year. And they got this gorgeous museum. And at the very end of the museum, they've got this panoramic movie theater. And they show a 25-minute film of Woodstock. And the sound is all Dolby. And it's amazing. Grateful Dead and... Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, Sly and the Family Stone, Joe Cocker, all the great acts. And I saw the Goo Goo Dolls with Train a couple of years ago, Lou. I don't know if you're a big fan of those two bands, but I got to tell you, it was a great show. Like the Counting Crows disappointed me there. I saw Elton John there. That was unbelievable. But would you like that show, uh, Train and the Goo Goo Dolls, Lou? Would you like that? Possibly. What would it take to make that definitely? Uh, about uh, $20,000. <laughs> so you don't like the Google Dolls very much? No, I, 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 that's fine. I like it. I you was, don't like Train? I was about to, I like them both. Okay. I was about to ask you where, the, where are these bands right now? I was about to, because I don't know. you follow I, them. I, I don't know. I mean, it, uh, the Google Dolls haven't made an album in years. But I like that whole genre of music. Remember the Fray? Yeah. I love them too. They came out about the same time. Yeah, and and they did more than one hit. They weren't one-hit wonders. Like, aha, 
But I don't know where they've been for years. I don't know. I don't no, know. I don't it's know. It's a good either. question. I'd, I'd like I'd like to know. I'm going to investigate. Well, get Resnick on the phone. He's a Buffalo guy, New York. We love him. Yeah, why don't you stop at his house? I'm sure he'll, he'll answer <laughs> the phone on the first ring. Yeah, probably. <laughs> oh, you need me? I'm there. Emmett Smith is going to stop by the uh, studios today. The great, all-time great Hall of Fame Dallas Cowboy, yes, Arizona Cardinal running back. You know, every year the NFL playoffs leading up to the Super Bowl, they do these uh, ad campaigns. So the Super Bowl is going to be played Sunday, February the 12th in Arizona. And uh, leading up to the Super Bowl, they get all these former players out there pimping all kinds of stuff. You know, like Joe Theismann is always pimping out pills for prostate cancer. And, you know, they got... Uh, <laughs> I was going to say something. <laughs> I mean, you know, fake legs. Fake legs. Some of that, too, yeah. Uh, so Emmett and Rob Gronkowski are out there pimping uh, Bounty. Quicker picker up towels for um, when you guys have like wings. Like you got six playoff games this weekend. One's Monday night. So you got two playoff games on Saturday, three playoff games on Sunday, including the Giants and the Vikings locally. So in Minnesota. So if you're having a party and you're having chicken wings, Rob Gronkowski and Emmett Smith are advising you to get Bounty to clean it up. So he's going to come in 11 o'clock this morning, and uh, we'll tape something, and we're going to play it tomorrow morning here on this show, the great Emmett Smith. And I've interviewed Emmett a thousand times. I've been in Lake Tahoe with Emmett Smith, many Super Bowls with Emmett Smith, many. In fact, just a couple of years ago in Orleans, the Baltimore Ravens and Joe Flacco, who's now on the Jets, they played the San Francisco 49ers and Colin Kaepernick in the Super Bowl. Remember that one? John Harbaugh and um, and uh, Jim Harbaugh went head-to-head, the two brothers. And the Ravens won. Kaepernick actually had a really good game, and he, came, he fell short on a big fourth-down play deep inside Raven territory, and the Ravens won. And I was doing my Sid Rosenberg show with Eric Langell and Steve Zemak in Miami at the time, and I showed up in New Orleans. I had no voice. I felt like crap. I actually had a doctor from Delray Beach who was coming down to New Orleans for the weekend, fly down two days early just to give me a Z-Pack. I swear to God. So I'm on uh, Radio Rother at the Super Bowl, and Emmett Smith is one of my first interviews. And I uh, goes, what's up with your voice, man? I'm like, I'm sick, Emmett. That's what's up with my voice. I don't feel well. He's like, what's the matter with you? I'm like, I, I don't know. I, I think I need a Z-Pack. I, I don't feel well. He said, well, I got the cure for you. And I was very intrigued at that point what Hall of Fame running back Emmett Smith was going to suggest to cure this horrible cold or nasal thing. I don't know what it was. Well, before COVID, you know. Now everything's COVID. And I said, okay, Emmett, you're a great running back. Not sure you're a doctor, but fire away. He said, you know, man, you need to drink a hot toddy. I said, a what? He said, you need to drink a hot toddy. And I said, listen, I... um." I had a lot of liquor in my life, a lot. I'm embarrassed to say this, but what exactly is in a hot toddy? And he went on to explain it, and I said, you know, Emmett, you do realize that I'm in recovery, and I'm an alcoholic. And his exact quote was, well, do you want to get better or not? That's all it's about. That's it. So I, uh, the show ended at 10 o'clock, and I went to the bar at the convention center in New Orleans, and I had like three hot toddies, and I'm not sure if I felt any better, but I was hammered. That, makes, that means you felt better. <laughs> Danielle called me. I'm not supposed to be drinking. You know, I'm, I'm on the road, Super Bowl, I stopped drinking. And she's like, uh, you okay? 
I'm like, yeah. Doing great. Why? Do I sound okay? What's up? <laughs> I'm talking loud. What do you mean? I thought I was on the air. Anyway, so Eminem was coming in a whole bunch of trouble. He'll be here today. We'll play that interview coming up tomorrow. We do have a great guest coming up today, the Judge Andrew Napolitano, coming up at 740. The segment of the week, nobody in New York radio, in news, talk, or politics, gets bigger ratings at on any segment than me and Bill O'Reilly, 840 every Thursday. Now, that's going to be put to the test next Thursday when President Donald Trump will join me. Looks like it'll be confirmed today, 805 Next Thursday, me and Trump, but O'Reilly today at 840, Bo Deedle, 905, and Dr. Mark Siegel, 925. Today is the uh, King of All Media, the greatest radio talk show host of all time. This is not up for debate on this show. Don't mention Imus and embarrass yourself. Don't mention Rush Limbaugh, any of these guys. Whether you like his politics or not, well, this a million times. Howard Stern is far and away. It's not even close. Stern is far and away the greatest radio host. And I hate his politics. I hate him. Far and away the greatest talk show host ever. And today's his birthday. So uh, when I missed Scott Whitteme back in like 2005, I ended up meeting Gary Delabate, the producer for Stern, at a restaurant in Delray Beach. I was living in Boca. And uh, his mother had just passed away. Fa-fa-fooey, ba-ba-booey. And his parents lived in West Palm Beach. And uh, he was a fan of mine from WFAN. He's a big sports guy. I knew I was. And he said, uh, he called me. He said, hey, I'm coming down to Palm Beach. My mom just died. Said, can you recommend a good sports bar? Because the Mets were playing the Dodgers in the playoffs that night. And I said, yes. My buddy Mark Siegel, no relation to Dr. Mark Siegel, he owns a place called the Neighborhood Bar in Delray. And if you want, I'll take you there tonight. I live about five miles away. And we'll watch the game together. So we went and watched the Mets and Dodgers, and Gary was peppering me with questions about Imus. He said, you know, Stern, Howard would love to talk to you about Imus. Now, at that point, Imus had fired me, and I was willing to just eviscerate Imus at any opportunity. So I said to Gary, I'm in. If Howard, my dream is to be on the Howard Stern show. That's my dream. You got it. And Gary said, I'll call you tomorrow. But call Howard tonight, we'll book it. And sure enough, the next day Gary called me and said, you're booked November blah, 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 2006 to come on the Stern Show. Would you know that a day after Gary Delabate did that, I got a call from Mark Chernoff who said, hey, Chris Collin is going on his honeymoon. The I-Man needs somebody to do sports. I know you and I miss a kind of on the outs but he's willing to bring you back. Do you want to do sports on Imus? And I didn't have the balls to tell Chernoff, well, I'm going to go on Stern Show and beat the living daylights out of Imus. All I said was, really? Yeah. Imus wants me back. Oh, my God. Imus wants me back. So now I go to do Stern Show. I'm on the air with Howard. He is just grilling me to give him bad stuff about Imus. And I know... That in a couple of days, I'm going back on the air with Imus. So I wasn't as willing as I was during the dinner conversation with Gary to hammer the I-Man. But here is uh, some of that audio as we celebrate Howard Stern's birthday today. How old is Howard today, Bill? He's in his 60s. I know that. It says it on your paper that I gave you. Oh, yeah. Well, I can't get to the page yet, so. 
I will never figure it out. There's going to be a long lost mystery for. Oh, you don't you don't have the page in front of you too. I'll pull it up. No, I got it here. Howard Stern is wow. He's old. Is this right? He's sixty nine. Howard Stern is going to be seventy next year. That sounds right. Really? Yeah, I miss. That's right. He was seventy. I would say if if he's sixty nine, then he will be seventy next year. Yeah, that's very good. Yeah, shut up. All Uh, right, let's go to uh, some of these clips. He didn't even need the page for that. (laughs) Yeah, me and Stern in two thousand six. This is um, Howard Stern, cut number twenty seven, welcoming me into the studio, and he wasn't very nice. Twenty six, twenty seven, twenty seven. I don't really know Sid's work. I never was really. I don't He's listen. He's good on the radio. Yeah, I never it, listened it's to funny. They, no. Even after the whole Imus thing fell apart, they gave him middays, and he was doing a show middays. He's very knowledgeable about sports. Oh, yeah. His regular, the regular New York guy knows sports very well. Did See, I listen. Have some substance abuse. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You can talk about that too. Thanks, he was free Bring him in here. Let's take a look. He relate to Artie real well. Okay. <laughs> he free bases. <laughs> I think he was I'm like, doing hey, a little. Isn't that nuts? Free basing? And I go, look who I'm talking to. I think crack is worse than heroin. Oh please. I think it is. Why? Bullet Sid. Actually, Robin, that's a good question. Why? Hey, Sid, welcome. Come on in and take a seat and relax. How you doing, man? So I walk into this conversation, what's worse, crack or heroin, which Audie Lang, Audie Lang, who's a really funny guy and was on the Stern Show for many years. He replaced Jackie Martling. He's talking about heroin. That's how I walk in, and then the conversation starts. This will be uh, Howard Stern, cut number 26. Sid Rosenberg is here. Sid's a guy who got fired from Imus's show. He's a sports guy. Oh, that's the sports guy? Sid f***s up every job he gets. I don't know, Sid, but like, but, but it's like it's typical Imus horseshit. Sid gave a, an audition tape to get that job, and on the audition tape is all this stuff that Sid got fired, fired for, for. And Imus would tell him behind his back, like, you know, you're doing good, man. Go oh, on there and say out- off the air. Yeah, say, say outrageous. Yeah, off the air, rather. Say you know, outrageous things. Go say outrageous things. And then as soon as Sid would get in trouble for him, Imus would back away. I've, I've known Sid for a little while, actually, and um, he's, he's, he's a funny guy, but, you know, it's, it's weird on the radio sometimes. Because you know, you, yeah, but I'm as the basic thing is I'm as tells you to do this stuff yeah. and then doesn't back you up at all. He right? I mean, you gotta you gotta throws get the, you to the wolves. Exactly. He's exactly right. That's uh, audio lying again with Howard and Robin. One more cut. Seventeen years ago, November two thousand six, on the Howard Stern show as we celebrate Howard's sixty ninth birthday today. Here's where Howard talks to me about my career. Cut number twenty eight. How you doing, man? I'm good, man. You so you self-destruct on every job you get. Why well, you working yeah. now? Yeah, I am working now, actually. Where are you? I'm down in Miami. What, at a radio station? Yes. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. What, what shift are you doing? I'm doing uh, middays. So you have your own show? Got my own show, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. on 7:90 a.m. down in Miami. Is it a sports show? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Are you happy, or you feel like it's a come down from working in New York? Um, a little bit of both. Right. I mean, I think I was happy to have another opportunity, but you know, after being up here for a little while, it's. How long? How long have you had that job? I've been there since uh, last November, a year now. A year, so yeah. without getting fired, no controversy, no Everything racist okay, jokes. Everything okay, going okay. Well, I didn't get fired. Right. <laughs> yeah, so when you would do funny things, Imus hired you off of a tape, and then he said, this is great, go on the air and do this. He'd tell you that in private. And then when you'd get in trouble, he'd say, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know anything about it. <laughs> well, in all fairness to Imus, he really didn't hire me. I was kind of forced upon Imus Howard by uh, Mark Chernoff. You know Mark Chernoff. I know Mark, yeah. Sure, he was a program director, and still is, by the way. Right. And uh, he thought it would be a good idea for me to come over there. And I thought that from the beginning, that Don was was uh, He's an asshole. Uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> and then finally, how it wraps it up with actually complimenting a very young Sid Rosenberg at the time I was 38 years old. This was a big deal for me. The final cut is uh, number 25, Sid and Howard Stern.
terrible. So did you think your career was over after that? I did. That? I remember waking up the next morning going, I'm 33 years old, and I can't believe it's over. And I didn't listen to Imus, to be honest with you. I listened to you. Right. You know? And, but, well, uh, so does Imus. Of course. <laughs> yeah. But in the 70s, when I was a kid going to school, my dad would listen to Imus, you know, right, right. before you were a monster star. And, and so I thought I knew a little bit about the show. So I figured when I got there, it was just total zany. No idea that he was trying to become a different type of guy. You well, know? here you are, a sports expert, and I can see you got the gift of gab and everything. But Thank sometimes, you. like, maybe you got to rein it in just a little bit. There it is, Howard Stern telling me to rein it in, but did tell me I had the gift of gab. That was a big deal. And, of course, he was talking about the Venus and Serena incident, which cost me my job back on Imus back in the year 2000. Happy birthday, Howard. You know, he did, uh, after that, hire me to host Whack Pack Bowling on Howard TV, one of the most successful Howard TV shows ever. I actually sat in for, uh, for Florentine. Jimmy couldn't do it. I hosted it. All the greats were there. Beetlejuice, Jeff the Drunk, Elephant Boy. One of the highest rated Howard TV shows ever. Happy birthday, Howard Stern. More of me, Sid, right after this. Bill O'Reilly here, and I'm warming up. Stand by for the O'Reilly Update Morning Edition. On this Thursday, I am getting some mail from people thanking me for the smart life eating tips that we have on BillOReilly.com. The sad truth is most Americans are slowly killing themselves with a terrible diet. The danger largely hidden from them because the junk food industry is using ad dollars to co-opt the media. They take out tens of millions of dollars of advertising on television, and it's hurting us. So let's review. Sugar is as harmful as nicotine and addictive as well. Try eating just one Oreo. If you can cut your sugar intake by 50%, you'll feel a lot better and have a much better chance of avoiding painful disease. Sugar-laden drinks are the primary driver of obesity in America, along with fast food and pizza. In today's market, there are tons of low-sugar drinks that taste good. And stay out of those drive through windows. Also, avoid diet drinks. They are terrible for you. Bread turns to sugar upon digestion. Exception, sourdough. Don't eat a big meal after six. That will add pounds fast. Finally, snacks. My go-to is cashews. They fill me up. No sugar. I still eat dessert a few times a week, but discipline my intake. If you drink a glass of water before a meal, you will not eat as heavily. We very much want you around and nimble as you get older. Hope these tips help. That is the morning O'Reilly update. More analysis later on. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC.
That song ever. I know that people love Sugar Magnolia trucking, but this one, Shakedown Street, The Grateful Dead, is my favorite. So nice job out of Lou Rafino. My phone blew up after the last segment. People loved it. They love the old Sid and Stern cuts. Artie Idala, Frank Morano. I got about 20 messages. And uh, it was 17 years ago, but on this uh, Howard Stern birthday, I thought it would be um, fun to play it. And uh, there's a young girl in the studio right now who I guess runs our. I don't know if it's social media <laughs> graphics. I don't know. I just love her to death. I love her whole family. Her name is Gina. She goes by uh, Gina Bina. Her last name is way too annoying. And uh, <laughs> she loves Howard Stern. But she once said on the show, which I never forgot, mm-hmm. that I grew up loving Howard Stern. And now you said you become Your- my new Howard Stern. And yeah. I, I find out to be so um, sweet and nice. And, yeah. and that's what you had to say. And I said, no, I love you forever. So yeah. did, you, did you really mean that or are you just drunk? No, I was oh. definitely not. I was completely sober, I promise. Oh. Uh, definitely meant that. And I think it's awesome that you're doing the Howard Stern cuts. I was listening to them when I got in just now. Pretty was, cool, right? Yeah, yeah. so so cool. Well, you came in and said, I heard you and Howard Stern just now, but I've got a good Sid story from yesterday. What yeah. Was that? So yesterday, um, I'll start. Oh, what you, by the way, give me your full name and your job title here. I'm sorry. I... Gina Limberopoulos, uh-huh. and I do social media. Right. And your mom, Danielle, is a great, great lady. Mm-hmm. I love her. And your son, uh, your son, your brother, Rocco. <laughs> yeah. Right. And you have another, like, half-sister or something, mm-hmm. right? Mariah, okay. and then my sister Jade, and my dad, Steve, but the whole modest, crew. okay. All or right. as you call him, Stimulus. Right. <laughs> I do call him that. <laughs> so you were in a car yesterday? What happened? Yeah. So basically, I was going out with this kid yesterday. Was um, it a date? Kind of. I okay. guess you could say that. What do you mean, that. kind of? I don't understand. I don't know. He just asked me. He asked me to hang out, but he was like, let's go grab a drink or whatever. And I was like, all right, cool. Is the first time you ever met him? Um, I had met him prior once, okay. but other, other than that, did it you was like just, him the first time you met him? Or he was okay. I okay. mean, like it, I, I knew him from like the pop punk scene and the music scene and everything. So the that's kind pop of pop punk scene. Yeah, the pop punk scene. That doesn't sound healthy. Yeah, it does. It's not. <laughs> it's not a healthy place. It's not a fun place. But okay. that's where I knew. I should have been a red flag as is. Right. So I met up with him, and he seemed really cool at first. And then right away, he was just making me really uncomfortable. Yeah. It was very awkward. I didn't like him. Oh boy. So as I was sitting there, I ordered my lift. And my lift picked me up, and I just How long did you spend with this guy altogether? Ten minutes. Ten minutes? Ten minutes. That was probably a the ten shortest. date. Yeah, it was the shortest experience of my Gotta life. Gotta be. Yeah, so 100%. did he text you afterwards and go, did you have a good time? No, because I blocked him. <laughs> oh, you, what happened? <laughs> it was just really awkward and very Did strange. you guys have any words at the end of it, or? I literally just, he, I let him talk. I was just letting him speak, and yeah. I ordered my lift while I was there. Oh, and my God. I left. Well, that you was wanna, a date? That was a date? That's some date. It was terrible. Remember that show that uh, Chuck Woolery used to have on? He would pay for your date. You go, if you have a really good time, we'll pay for your next date. I guess you wouldn't take the next no, date. No, like, like, yeah, like those blown off segments. All that yeah. kind of stuff. I, what, I would what never. What were you going to say there, Lou? You met. It's, I'm, I'm confused. It was a 10-minute date? Yeah. I left after 10 minutes. <laughs> we were supposed to go out and like go to like a thrift store and like an arcade and a bar and stuff. Oh, thank God. I'm yeah. Sounds like some God. romantic. Jeez. We'll go to a thrift store, it was an no, arcade, I mean, and a it's bar. It's the typical, typical. Gen Z, like millennial oh hangout. Sure. meeting people in alleyways. Oh my yeah. God. Like the old days. Right. Phil, honestly, that's Philip, what, you kid, that's probably, what you kids do today, huh? Philip would probably relate to it because right. he looked like a person that would dress like Philip, like right. with the beanies and, sure. and stuff that's like that. Yeah. Like a loser. He looked like a, like a complete <laughs> loser. Like, it was an insult. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the oh date lasts 10 minutes. You call for your lift to get the hell out of there. And coincidentally, the lift that picked me up was the same one that dropped me off. 
from when he picks me up at the train the station. The same guy? Same guy. Oh, that's a little town. stalkish. Well, no, it was, it's a small town, so that's, oh, that's small who picks town. me up. Oh, small town, okay. Yeah. Brooklyn? Small town? I don't get it. No, I was upstate. Oh, you were upstate, it, okay. Weekend, yeah. <laughs> so how did that date go with him? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, it was probably a little bit better it than It was this. better, yeah. Um, so, coincidentally. Because you got your home. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> Good one, Lou. Yeah, that's um, right. But coincidentally, I get in the car, and he's listening to 770. And I he's was like, listening to what? 770? Yeah. Who was on at that time? Uh, Cats and Knight. Oh, the John great Katz. John Katsimatidis. Mm-hmm. My guy. That's my guy. Yeah, he was, yeah. Li- he was listening to it, and I, I started laughing a little bit, and I was like, I love this show. And he started laughing. He goes, oh, you listen to the station? And I was like, I actually, I work there. Oh, my God. And he was Ooh. like, oh, my gosh. He starts freaking out. He starts asking me, you know, how's Curtis? What's yeah. Curtis like? And I was like, who's your favorite person? And he said, Sid. Yeah, of course. Of course he did. <laughs> So, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I mean, come on. So, I need debate there. He, <laughs> and I'm your favorite person, too. Yeah, so, right off the bat, you two got along great. Yeah, and he was kind of just asking me questions about the station, not in a stalkery way, but in a fan way. Right. And I told him, I was like, you know what? Let me see what I could do. Let me see if I could give you a shout on the radio. So, I'm, Here we what go. I'm gonna do right now. You have a drum roll or something, Lewis, some type of production for this Lyft driver that. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, perfect. There you go. Um, okay. So his name is Dennis Anello. Dennis Anello. He's from Rockland. Really? Mm-hmm. New City or uh, you don't know? I'm not sure. I Blah just know belt. it's Rockland upstate. Yeah. Um, and he helped me yesterday more than he even realizes. And he, he saved was very your life, nice. Maybe. Who yeah, knows? he could have honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, instead of getting in that guy's car, I got in his car and he brought me Thank home. Thank God. Well, so, I love you to death, so I'm glad that it worked out yeah. uh, well for you. And so, uh, we love Dennis. And that was a good little story. Yeah, awesome. Excellent. Thank yeah, you. Great happy ending. You got it. Uh, you do a great job at the station, too. You Thank you. Very creative. Very, very smart, creative girl. So. We just did a new skit, too, yesterday. I don't know if anyone saw yes, that on social media. Yes, uh, my sister's cousin Yes. with uh, me, Bo Deedle, mm-hmm. who's actually a really big-time actor. In fact, we've, we've done a movie together called Gemini Lounge, and the screening for the movie is Monday, February the 13th. At a place in New York City. We're really excited about that. But uh, Phil and Justin were very good in this skit. Yes. Very good. They were great. And you were in it, and Stephanie mm-hmm. Bongiorno, and, uh, and uh, Joe was in it, yeah. too. And a big shout-out to Joe Molisi, too, for, to, yeah, for writing a, it yes. out and making it come yes. to life, because he does that a lot, and he's, he's fantastic He's a smart kid, here. too, yes. Your, yeah. your whole department is very, very good, well, so thank, thank you. you. That means thank a lot. You. Good to see you. It's a you know, I love season. you. Love you, too. There she Happy is. Happy birthday, Howard. Gina Bina <laughs> and Howard, yes. Traffic and sports. Also, Judge Andrew Napolitano coming up next. 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. You know, watching this on Nancy Mace, Republican out of South Carolina. She's on Morning Joe. I I hate when Republicans go on that show. I just do. And I don't hate every Democrat. The mayor's become a good friend of mine. I'm friends with other Democrats. It's none of your business. I just hate those two. I hate Joe and I hate Mika. But, you know, Mark Levin took Nancy Mace to task on this station last night, told her to basically shut up and do her job. But she's talking about how the... The Republicans are tone deaf when it comes to these abortion bills, and she's right. I mean, I love Mark Levin, but I, I hate it when guys like Levin, they're so staunch in their right approach. And you guys know I'm not like that. I'm just not. I'm pro-choice anyway, but they're so staunch. They just, they're so narrow. And I know he's the great one. He's a genius. They're all geniuses. Give me a break. She's right. I mean, you look back at Election Day. And part of the reason why Lydia was right, part of the reason why we didn't have that red wave was because abortion. 
So I could do without her talking to a Willie Geist, that little wussy-wearing panty boy, or going on the two despicable people, Joe and Mika. But uh, Nancy Mace isn't all that wrong, I got to tell you. Anyway, my next guest is on this time every Thursday morning. Why? Because he's great. Fox News, many, many years. I miss many years. But I'll be doing his best work right now with me. Every Sunday at 740, he is the judge, Andrew Napolitano. Judge, good morning. How are you, pal? Oh, good morning. I'm I'm uh, I'm great, Sid. It's great to be on with you. I didn't realize today was Howard Stern's birthday. And I didn't realize he's 69. My God, where does time fly? I know. I mean, you know, we've been doing all these uh, music songs. We play a lot of music. You know, that's part of our shtick on the show. And then right. uh, we usually play it on that person's birthday. So, for example, yesterday we played a lot of Rod Stewart. Rod turned 78 yesterday. And two days uh, ago yep. we played a bunch of Led Zeppelin because Jimmy Page turned 79. And it's like, oh, my God, Judge, what's going on? So Howard Stern was once on trial before me in my courtroom in Hackensack, New Jersey. That's how I first met him. How, Long what, what, before I, what I was ever that, what, imagined what, I would have a career in radio and television. Now, what was that about? Why was Stern in court? Stern, Stern had a show in the old uh, WOR, and one mind. day he went on there and pretend, prevent, uh, pretend that he was Dr. Kevorkian. And he said, this. tell me how to kill myself. And he made up a number, 1-800-MD-DEATH. Now, call me at 1-800-MD-DEATH. They made up the number. It was a real number. It was the number of a lady in New Jersey who rented castles and chateaus to people in Europe. <laughs> she got she got fifteen thousand. Fifteen thousand of the most disgusting phone calls you can imagine. How disgusting were they? How do I know how bad they were? Because I listened to the tapes. Anyway, she sued WOR. She sued Howard. The case was assigned to me. Um, after uh, they, she, Howard ran the broadcast and she was going out of business, her lawyers figured out who it was and what was happening, why these phone calls are coming in. They wrote to WOR and said, we need you to retract it. What did WOR do? They repeated Howard's show. <laughs> that gave rise oh. to what we call punitive damages, which meant that Howard had to reveal his finances and his income tax returns to yours truly in secret. Oh, my God. So way before Donald Trump happened, as soon as that happened, the case settled. But then Howard wanted to kill me. (laughs) Fast fast forward to when CBS dumped Howard. I said to Roger Ailes, Roger, I just read Howard's contract. They owe Howard a quarter of a billion dollars because you're going on air right now to say it. Then, of course, when I said that on Fox, Howard and I became good friends again, oh. which we still are today. Oh, that's great. So, good. I so like to hear I that. I agree with you. There have been great human beings in radio, including the person on whose show I am privileged to appear every Thursday Thank at you. 740 in Thank the morning. You. Thank you. But the greatest of these, the greatest of these is Howard Stern. I, I mean, it's not even up for debate. I mean, look, personal preference that's one thing. That's subjective. You know, if you like Imus better, uh, you know, maybe because you hate Howard Stern's politics. I don't know why people judge talent based upon their preference or what they want to hear. Uh, I hate Howard Stern's politics, but I'm ready, willing, and able to admit that it's not even close. You can't compare Imus on his best day to Howard. Why can't, why can't people Agreed. judge just rate people based upon their talent or what they've got? Why, why does that have to go to their politics, how they dress, how they feel. Why does that matter? This is is an area where you and I 
profoundly agree. You have to look at people as human beings. And as, as I said uh, last week when we were discussing this, this lesson Ailes taught us, you have to have friends on the other side. You may disagree with the message, but there's no reason to hate the messenger. Just like you with Nancy Mace, there's a lot of her politics that you don't like and that I don't like, but even a stopped clock is right twice a day, and, and she happened to have been correct on this particular issue. You know, in my uh, off-Broadway show that I'm doing called Why is the Government in My Soup, I stay away from two issues in New York, guns and abortion, because you cannot reason with people on these issues. Everybody's feet are planted so deeply in one camp uh, or another that I just steer clear of those two issues. Well, you are very, very smart. That Broadway show starting uh, now, it's on now, right through the middle of February, folks. you got to see that on West 42nd Street. Uh, promises to be an evening full of uh, really compelling, thought-provoking entertainment led by my dear friend here, Judge Andrew Napolitano. We'll bring the judge back. We'll talk about these documents. Another round in a different location for Joe Biden and the judge's latest column. He's Judge Andrew Napolitano. He's on with me, Sid Rosenberg, and we'll be back right after these short messages. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Back here with Judge Angelo Napolitano. He's here this Thursday every time. So Joe Biden goes on 60 Minutes and just eviscerates President Trump for having documents back at his place at Mar-a-Lago. And as luck would have it, as karma would have it, now Joe Biden has done the same thing. Now they have found a second location, more documents. And unlike Trump, who has the ability to declassify because he's the president, Joe Biden, as the vice president, couldn't even do that. Be careful sometimes when you rank on somebody else when you know you've done the same thing. So the same question applies here, Judge, which is, it's an obvious answer. Why is the press and the DOJ treating Donald Trump one way and Joe Biden the other? One word, politics. They hate Trump. Uh, they love Biden. Uh, Joe, Joe has some, some problems. I mean, he has some serious issues. You're right, Trump can declassify. You're right, Joe at the time uh, could not. He's the president now. He can do it now. But these are uh, documents that occurred before he, that, that he, he removed to an improper place or used in an improper place before he was the president. Some of these are uh, what's called NDI, National Defense Information which is criminal to possess outside of the federal facility, whether they're declassified or not. Uh, we don't exactly know what Joe had. We know that the ones that Trump had, it's about 360 documents, that about 60 of them were NDI. We don't know how many Joe had, and we don't know if they were NDI. In fairness to Trump, uh, one of his defenses was everybody does it. You know what? He may have a point there. Everybody does. I mean, I've read, I've read that Barack Obama to this day has boxes and boxes of stuff, but nobody pays attention. Well, if that is the case, then Trump is being targeted because of his politics. That's called selective prosecution, 
which the Supreme Court 120 years ago in a case called Yickwo versus Hopkins uh, outlawed. You cannot, uh, if, if there's a whole class of people committing a crime, the same type of crime, you can't target just one of them because you don't like its politics. You have to prosecute all of them or you have to leave all of them ago, all, all of them alone. That is a basic principle uh, of constitutional uh, jurisprudence. So we're going to have to wait and see what these documents are. I'll tell you who did the right thing, which is Merrick Garland. I know Trump doesn't like him, and a lot of conservatives don't. But he intentionally appointed a U.S. attorney who is a Trump appointee to evaluate the documents that Biden's lawyers uh, found, rather than a Biden appointee or a Democrat. I thought that that was a terrific Yeah, but there were two things. You're right about that. but, But where was Merrick Garland? Merrick Garland spoke to the country. He spoke to the country. It was so serious when Trump did it. I haven't seen Merrick Garland do that for Joe Biden. And what do you think about Lindsey Graham's contention yesterday that there needs to be above and beyond this guy you're talking about from Chicago, the Trump appointee, there needs to be a special counsel for this. What do you think about that? Well, I, I can't answer that because I don't know what the documents are. Uh, Lindsey, Senator Graham may be correct if there's a lot of documents. If they're in more than one place and if they pertain to national defense information about the U.S. and other countries, uh, that's that's the category that Trump had. If Joe Biden's documents are in the same category and in more than one place, so with the fits within the pattern of, of Mar-a-Lago, uh, then Senator Graham is right. Uh, if it's just a few documents and if they're not national defense information, then I think the Chicago prosecutor can look at them. But the Chicago prosecutor will probably go to Merrick Garland and say, this is um, over my head. I, the Chicago prosecutor, don't have the national security clearance needed to look at this. Neither of the people that work for me. This has to be evaluated by the intelligence community. If the documents are in that category, Sid, then Joe has some very serious issues. Now, he can't be prosecuted uh, while he's president. And some of these things, the statute of limitations will have expired by the time he leaves the presidency, but he will be politically damaged beyond his wildest imaginings if he had the same category of documents in the same cavalier uh, manner as Trump. All right, two minutes to go. I read your column. I read it every week. Just like I read Bill O'Reilly's column every week, he'll join me coming up at 840. You're here at 740. A government by experts, and you speak a lot about Abe Lincoln early on in this column. Tell the folks out there what they're going to read about when they read A Government by Experts by you, Judge Napolitano. They're going to read that Woodrow Wilson, the former, or the president of the United States at the time, the former governor of New Jersey, the former president of Princeton, the former constitutional law scholar at Princeton, thought that we'd be better off governed by experts rather than by Congress. And he set up the administrative agencies. Uh, Today, we know them by their three-letter initials, EPA, DEA, FDA. uh, And occasionally, these administrative agencies think that they're Congress, and they think that they can write laws. And when the Trump Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms tried to write a law to invalidate a class of of guns, a law that only Congress can write, the courts smacked them down. This happened just last week 
uh, in New Orleans, where the whole Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, which is the appellate, federal appellate judge group that hears appeals in, in Louisiana and Texas, said to the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, you're not the Congress. You want to outlaw class of guns. Only the Congress can do it. This very rarely happens, and it's a very welcome development. We vote for members of Congress, just like some people voted for that nutjob George Santos. <laughs> but we vote for them, and they have to come back to us uh, and, and justify their behavior. But the bureaucrats that we don't vote for, who are always in power, do not have the right to write the laws. That's what this case stands for, and I'm very happy about it. All right, Judge Napolitano, as always, a grand slam home run, a great appearance. Thank you for coming on with me every Thursday morning. I really appreciate it. You're great, and have yourself a great day and a great week. Okay, pal? All the best, Ed. God love you. God love you, too. Judge Napolitano, 740 every Thursday morning here on Sid and Friends. Big 8 o'clock hour coming your way with Liddy Reports and Bill O'Reilly. And then a big 9 o'clock hour coming your way with Bo Deedle, Dr. Mark Siegel, and your chance at cash and prizes. Thanks to Pete Morgan and Peerless Boiler. Sid Take. Sid's Take today is an interesting concept created by Macedonia Phil. Only halfway through this epic Thursday edition of Sid and Friends in the Morning. And it's only right here on Talk Radio 77. WABC. And they worry about the times ahead. You're my best friend. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. From my friends. 77 WABC. The Yardbirds at 8.06, Thursday morning. It's raining. I hate when it rains in the yard. I hate it. Odd. I'm not in a bad mood. I'm actually in a very good mood. Very good mood. I'm going to be here later today after the show, sitting around, and have a chance to talk to my dear friend, the Hall of Fame running back, Dallas Cowboy, Arizona Cardinal, great Emmett Smith. We'll play that tomorrow. So a big Friday show coming up. Joe Takapina, Emmett Smith, host of others. And then um, Trump will be on a week from today, it looks like. Supposed to get the call from Trump's comm director sometime today. I don't know. And um, he'll be on next Thursday. Maybe even in between Napolitano and O'Reilly. So we'll have like an hour next Thursday. It'll be the judge, Donald Trump, and uh, Bill O'Reilly. That's what it looks like. Well, they're both great, Sid, so thanks for having me. Between <laughs> both really, really, absolutely great. And yeah. they're really, really, really wonderful guys, yeah. really wonderful people. But I got to get this, uh, this Stephen Chung, who's uh, Trump's comm director, to get back to me. This guy's the worst when it comes to that. My God. Probably shouldn't say that. and not going to heighten my chances of ensuring the president going to be here. But we have a, a mutual friend, me and Trump who just spent the last two days at Mar-a-Lago. Joe the Box? That's the guy, Joe the Box. Knew it. I love Joe the Box. You know why I like Joe the Box? 
This guy is, he owns this place in Wankonkoma. It's called the America First Warehouse. And had a book signing there, and it's a gorgeous place. If you're a Democrat, you would think you died and went to hell. It's like life-size pictures of Donald Trump everywhere. Every Republican slogan you could imagine. It's a Republican heaven. And, um, but I tell you, in the, you know, he hangs out with people like Steve Bannon and my friend who I love, Tina Forte, all these real radical, even Andrew Giuliani to a certain extent, who I love, you know that. But he's not, you know, he's a nice, he's like a nice guy. And when I say things about the GOP, if I get critical, even when I was, you know, bashing Trump for the Kanye thing, he didn't get all that mad. And then when he called Mike Pence a traitor weeks ago, and I yelled at him, he like listened to me. I don't know that. I kind of like that about the guy. Most people are so rigid, so stubborn, especially when it comes to politics. He's not like that. And this guy runs, like I said, a GOP heaven. So there's something vulnerable about Joe that I happen to like. If that makes any sense. Maybe it doesn't. I don't know. Yeah, it makes great sense. Glad I brought it up. When's the rain going to stop, Phil? Uh, uh, um, When doves cry. Stand by. (laughs) When doves cry. (laughs) Johnny Tobacco checks in. Joe the Box is a true American patriot. Solid, good human being. Been doing Wise Guys. Oh, we'll do Wise Guys there on the 29th. And we did Wise Guys there on um, my book signing. So Johnny's right. I like John Tobacco, too. He's a good guy. Phil hates him, but I like him. Na- name everyone else that you like. You're naming, just naming people you like. Name more people that you like. How many? Well, just don't stop. We have, what, 10 more minutes in the segment? Just what if I don't name you? I'd be a little bit upset. Right. So Don't ask me to do stuff if there's a possibility you're going to be upset. I'm not going to be upset. Start doing it. I like my mother, Naomi. A lot of people like your mother. They love her. She's a cult Honestly, hero. Honestly, they, they, a lot of people like her a lot more than they like you. That's true. That's a lot true. of people. Yeah. That's because she is forever Trump. Yes. And it's dumb, true. and I told my mother that, but that's fine. See, I still endorse Trump. I'm going to vote for Donald Trump, no matter what. I don't care what Ron DeSantis says or Tim Scott or any of these folks. God bless them all. They're lovely people, and they're Republicans. But I'm voting for Trump because I want to see a guy who's already done it, and Donald's already done it. But when Donald does something stupid, I say it. My mom won't do that. She was like, but Bernie was like that. It was annoying. God rest his soul, my, my partner who I miss dearly. And I'm coming live to you this morning from the Bernie McGurk Studios. But my mother is like, no matter what Trump does, it'd be his duty is not duty. It's chocolate. It's good type of chocolate. It's not duty. Well, I haven't tried it yet, but we have yeah. yet to come to that conclusion. Well, she almost she was in the hospital a couple of days ago, my mother. What happened? I told you that. I, I told it to uh, uh, Steve Gutenberg, the actor who was here yesterday, we were crying over our fathers. And I mentioned the fact that my mom is in the hospital, but she's home now. Just a, just anxiety. And uh-huh. you know what happened? My mother bought a place in Florida. So we've always had two residences since I'm a little boy. Because my dad almost moved us to Florida way back when. So we had a condominium in Hallandale forever, forever. Three islands. Very nice place. Atlantic Shores Boulevard. Right by the Diplomat Hotel. And uh, we had a place in Brooklyn. And... So my parents, I went to Miami to college. Florida's our second home, and at times was our first home. So my mom sold her place in Aventura a couple of years ago, and she had been staying with my sister, Ray Sherry, who I'm very close with, and my brother-in-law, Albert, who I'm also very close with. And um, I guess they had enough of her. You know, they love her, but I mean, enough of that. My God, sitting all day, all depressed, watching Fox News. I'm got to get out. So she got her own place. 
And you have to understand, she was married to my father for like 65 years. My dad, who I miss dearly. So she went to closing last week and ended up in the hospital because this is the first thing she's done. She's owned homes her whole life, and it was Harvey and Naomi Rosenberg, and now it's just Naomi. That's got to be hard. She won't admit it, my mother, because she's tough, you know, but I had her on the phone two nights ago. I said, Mom, Mommy, I, I, I get it. You know, Daddy's not there, and she admitted that was part of it. So she ended up in the hospital, but she's okay now. And um, she's probably collecting arms as we speak to take out the Democrats. I don't know. You know, my mother, thank God I say, Mom, are you well enough to come on the show? Oh, I 100% son. Sydney Ferris. So you want to come back on next week? I have to for my listeners. I have to talk to my people. I said, Mom, they're not your listeners. They're mine. They like you. Well, you know what I mean, son. I'm not going to argue, though. Of course, she's 88 years old and it's out of the hospital, so. I let her believe they're her listeners. And... Well, you came from me, so now they're mine. Right. That's true. If I hear one more time that my mother nearly jumped out of the hospital bed because I was so hard to deliver, I'm, I'm going to jump out of the hospital bed myself. She's like, you don't understand. Your delivery, your three sisters, no problem. Spit them right out. That's how my mother talks, you know. You? <laughs> All right, Mom, I get it. Well, look at you in real life. You don't sit still. <laughs> you, you go up and down the hall yeah. any chance you get, any break. I know. Three minute break I can't wait to walk out of here. Now. i got to make pee-pee anyway. Right. Okay. So Here's I'm not a big UFC fan. I'm a huge sports fan, as you know. And one of the most knowledgeable sports people in the country, sports and politics, the both, I'm... As good as it gets. But I don't like the UFC. It's stupid. And I never liked it. But Bernie loved it, so, you know, it wasn't fair. If I'm going to talk football and basketball and baseball, which Bernie didn't really care about, then I got to let him talk about what he likes. So we would bring in gas, and I kind of got into it because of Bernie, because I love Bernie. And I like Dana White because Dana's a Trump guy. But as it turns out, Dana White is a jerk-off. That's all he is. I don't care if he likes Trump or not. I don't care how many millions of dollars he makes. Doesn't matter. You smack a woman, you're done. You, I don't care if she, she hit me first. Are you serious? That's your response? He didn't say that to Dana White's credit. He totally takes the blame. But I've heard people defend him that said, well, she hit him first. Well, guess what? Punch a wall and walk away, stupid. You don't hit a woman back. I'd explain that to my son Gabriel at dinner last night. Why did you so mad at Dana White? Because you don't touch a woman ever and he's like well then how'd you make me i, I, I said well, well, you're right i don't mean don't touch a woman yeah oh, <laughs> look at this blackboard right here okay look at it gabe i'm gonna show you right remember the movie one. remember the night shift and michael keaton is breaking down prostitution and he goes pro well you girls are pros two <laughs> well you've got two then the t-word titties you got two of those Shun from the Latin to push away. Doesn't make sense here, of course, yeah, at all. Yeah, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Note to self, don't ever tell that story again. Right. So Dana White had a press conference yesterday. If you don't know the story, the man, the head of the UFC, who's done like a billion, is it like a billion-dollar contract, though, with ESPN? It's, a, it's an outlandish figure. Uh, what, the UFC or Dana White? UFC. UFC was bought... Uh, for I, I don't know what their contract billion is. Dollars, right? It was sold for four billion dollars. Four billion dollars. But their contract with ESPN. Who worth, watches uh, this garbage? I do. I know you, but he, I remember like Bernie would go. It's a huge fight coming up this weekend. He wouldn't even know the names of the fighters. Like, it doesn't matter. They're all great. It doesn't matter. Like boxers, you know, 
I know boxing has gone to hell. Like, I'm a big boxing guy, so that's why I refuse to accept the UFC because I'm a traditional boxing guy, and that's it. I don't want to hear it. But I know boxing sucks now. I get it. But you couldn't even name the fighters unless it was Conor McGregor or Anderson Silva or uh, who's the guy that always gets hurt out of Long Island, Scott something or other. He breaks his arm every time he fights us. Chris Weidman. Yeah. So Dana turns out on New Year's Eve gets into a squabble with his he, – he owns it, right? He runs it. He started He's it. He's the CEO. CEO, but he started he, he, the whole thing, right? No. No, no. no. He no. was there when the Fertitta brothers bought it right. in the early 2000s. Okay, great. But he's made millions and millions. He's been running the show And, for, he, and for he's done decades. a great job. I mean, he's, he's made he's – done, he's done an amazing job promoting this stupid I, sport. I, I think he might be the single most important person to his yeah, sport this, this, out of every sport. You know, oh, you know what, what Dana White fair. did to the UFC, that's to fair. MMA, no other person has ever done that to their sport respectively. That's fair. I mean, uh, Ever. you could say it about Pete Rozelle, but he's dead in the NFL. You're right. Uh, that's probably fair. But even then, I think the NFL would have like ended up gaining No, tra- no, no. Pete Rozelle, no, no. He, Lamar Hunt, Joe Namath, those guys, he's the guy. But you're right. Uh, living today, you could make that very good argument. He's very good at what he does, and he's made that millions and millions of dollars for himself and billions for the sport. So he gets in a, in a fight with his wife on New Year's Eve. I've seen the video. I know you have, too. She clearly hits him. And then he comes back and hits her twice. Is that right, Phil? I know. I think I saw him hit her twice. Yeah, he's, he, she kind of like open hand slapped him uh, in the face, and you know he's a much bigger guy. He's on steroids. Oh, he's, he's huge. He's, yeah, he's. He, I mean, the size of his head just multiplies. Right. Every right. time I see him. So I mean, what he does is he comes out and he says, "Don't defend me," and that's great. That's great. You know, I mean, that's he's not out there going, "Well." Um, you know, she hit me. For, he didn't do that, to Dana White's credit. But I don't know if you're allowed to recover. Like Ray Rice, for example, knocked out his girlfriend in an elevator in Atlantic City. He was a thousand yard back for the Baltimore Ravens. He never played again. Dana White is still going to run this industry. He's not going anywhere, right? I mean, it's not like he's no, but also he's like the, George Santos. I, he's not going anywhere. The brutality of what Ray Rice did was w- way worse. He, I, he knocked her out and dragged her. I don't care. That was that I was bad. I don't care. It was worse. You're right, but you hit a woman. That's it. So here's Dana White yesterday um, saying all the right things. He's still a scumbag, but he said all the right things. <laughs> this is Dana White number thirteen, Lou. The people that are defending me, you know. Um, there's, there's never an excuse. I'm sure you guys have read some of the same stuff that I've seen. There's, there's no defense for this, and people should not be defending me uh, over this thing, Very no nice. matter what. Yeah. Um, you know, all the criticism that I have received this week is 100% warranted and, and will receive in the future. So, and you know me better than anybody. Yeah. If, you know, especially the people that I don't like, start coming after me, nobody fires back more than I do. Um, I, I, I'm t- I, whatever that anybody has to say, everybody has an opinion on this, and, and, and they're, they're right to have their own opinions. So they talk about suspending Dana White. He's like, why? Why suspend me? If you suspend me, all you're going to do is hurt the company and the employees. I mean, I, I have a real thing I have to live with now for the rest of my life. That's my punishment. One more, Dana White, number 16, Lewis. We've had plenty of discussions internally with Ari, ESPN. Nobody's happy. Nobody's happy about this, you know. Neither am I. Um, But it happened. 
and, and, and I have to deal with it. And, and what is my punishment? Here's my punishment. I got to walk around for however long I live. Is oh, it 10.4 years or is it another 25 years? Whatever. And I got to, and I, and I got to, this is, this is how I'm labeled now. My other punishment is that, you know, I'm sure a lot of people, whether it be media, <laughs> fighters, friends, oh, yeah. acquaintances they don't care. who had respect for me might not have respect for me now. I mean, there, there's a lot of things that I'm going to have to deal with for the rest of my life that are way more of a punishment mm -hmm. than what? I take a 30-day, 60-day absence? No. That does, that's not a punishment to me. The yes, punishment sir. is that I did it, mm -hmm. and, and now I have to deal with it. Right. How about giving up the millions and millions of dollars? Or, I mean, what a horrible life you're going to have. You're right. Horrible life. Guy lives like a king. Like a king. Oh, I got to walk around with this. I'll tell you what, uh, Macedonia, Phil. And this, uh, I have the authority to do this from John Katsimatidis and Chad Lopez. If I ever find out you watch another UFC fight, you're suspended. It's a stupid sport anyway. Nobody cares. How would Not you... in New York. Around the country they care, but even though 18,000 go to the Garden. Stephen A. Smith, I don't care. They just announced yesterday they're going to have a pay-per-view in Brooklyn. If you watch it, you're suspended. And I swear to God, I'll get that in writing from John Katzman. What if I go there? You're fired. If you watch it, you're suspended. If you go to an event, you're fired. <laughs> if you patronize Unless it. Unless you get Dana White on the show when he grovels and cries with me live on the air. Can we'll you make that happen? It. We'll work on it. All right. Well, get, um, you know, the one person I despise in sports is this Jamel Hill, this racist. Oh, God, she's so gross. She writes for the, uh, what is it, the Athletic? or the, No, the Atlantic. Yeah. She called out Stephen A. Smith, and she was right. See, that's the difference. I can take somebody I despise. I can't stand Jamel Hill. But she's right. Stephen A. Smith makes, and I love Steve. He makes a ton of money from this. And he, um, even though he kind of went after Dana, really was kind of lame. Lou, are you mad at Dana White? Uh, I was mad at him before this happened because I don't give a crap about the I UFC. know. It's, it's, it's horrible. It's more stupid. Bernie right would that. bring it up, and I tuned out. Yeah, These guys you and everybody else. There's I a tuned, reason why Mark Chernoff, Mark Chernoff with the fan said you cannot do UFC or boxing. He used to let uh, Tony Page do it at like 1 o'clock in the morning. That was it. It's fun to gamble on. It's fun to gamble on? It's fun yeah. to watch. You guys are just beating it's not the fun absolute... to watch. I watch they're, it. They're killing each other. Oh, God. Who cares? It's so fun. Right. Seeing lifeless bodies. I, um, if you bring it up again, you're suspended. I have this authority, you know that. Come on, Phil, push it. Come on, Phil. Test me. I'll figure Test it out. I'll, I'll work my way around it. Okay. Sneak it into the script. <laughs> <laughs> Lydia reports and Bill O'Reilly. Keep it right here. This is Lydia Reports on 77 WABC. Here's Lydia Serrani. Sid, President Biden's visit to the border in El Paso clearly just for show, and therefore he is showing the world that he is not serious about doing anything about the millions of migrants pouring into our country. It's not sustainable. We know that it costs taxpayers about $25,000 here in New York, right, to educate these kids, uh, the migrant kids, never mind house them, never mind feed them, never mind clothe them. We're seeing the reports, Eyewitness News and and the New York Post that at the hotels where these people are staying at, specifically in Midtown Manhattan, they've they've got more food than than I do, and 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 they're throwing it all away. I mean, the millions and billions of dollars that are going towards the migrants is out of control. Then just before President Biden got to El Paso, 
all of a sudden, all the thousands of migrants that were sleeping on the streets, they mysteriously disappeared. White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre, she was asked by Ducey, who's like the only reporter that actually asks great questions. He's a hero. News. Peter Ducey's a hero. Yeah, right? And and he said to her, well, like, he didn't even go really to the border. He didn't talk to a single migrant. What happened? And take a listen to what she had to say. Why didn't President Biden want to see what's really going on at the border? He did see exactly what's going on at the border. <laughs> he didn't talk to any migrants, and he didn't go anywhere that people actually cross illegally. Why not? But he also, but he met, uh, he went to the, mi- the Migrant Center, which was uh, the, a critical, pl- critical place yeah. to be oh, when so you think bad. about the partners. Uh, who who are uh, our partners who are helping uh, 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 support uh, uh, uh. Uh, the migrants on the ground there? You know, Governor Abbott is on record. He told the president exactly where to go. And according to Governor Abbott, the president did not go there. He instead went to a safer place, a sanitized place. And I have to tell you, that's great audio and a great job by you, Lydia. If you thought Peter beat her up on the border... You have to hear the job that Peter did on her when she tried to explain away the document situation with Joe Biden, too. He beat the living, what I mean beat, with with words. He destroyed her. I mean, Jen Psaki, say what you want, right? You hate her. She's on MSNBC. She wasn't good at her job. She was great at her job. This lady, this Corrine Jean-Pierre, she's a moron. She is. She's a moron. She's a joke. And she just stutters and stumbles. And he said, but where did the thousands of migrants go? She's like, well, you know, they went away. They went away. They and there was a 70% decrease. They, they, yeah, went, they went to the Nick game. Decrease. <laughs> and she was like, she, it's like she tries to tell us, like, the sky isn't blue. No, no, no. The sky is not blue. But it is blue. No, 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 no. And then with the Biden documents, well, you know, this or that. And it, they think that they're, the American people are stupid. And here's a frightening thing, Sid. A lot of them are really, really yeah, stupid. that's the problem. And then you have yeah. the other yeah. I mean, members got, of the media that don't ask questions right. that, that uh, should be asked. MSNBC, for days, the last two days, they put up this, this graphic, Lydia, uh, during this, uh, these two despicable people, Joe and Mika. They put up this graphic comparing the amount of documents seized at Mar-a-Lago compared to Joe Biden, the amount of documents that were classified, blah, blah, blah. The truth is there's nothing different. There's nothing different. The difference is, is that at least Trump has the power as president to declassify these documents. Biden can't even do that. So I don't care if Trump has 100 to Biden's one. The truth is, it's the same. And they're making arguments for days that what Biden did, not as bad as Trump. So, again, like Bill O'Reilly always says, the media, they're as implicit as anyone. Absolutely. They're the right arm there of the Biden administration. But the only difference I would say in these two cases is that when the classified documents were found at Mar-a-Lago, the FBI from Washington, D.C. came into raid. This time around, this the second batch of documents in two separate locations, there was no FBI raid. They won't even tell us where the second location is. And if you look at the TV screens yesterday when the second batch was found, nobody was even talking about it. And again, they keep downplaying it and saying, well, maybe there was nothing in there maybe there is nothing of importance uh, in those documents that biden had but why do why do they not extend the same courtesy to trump exactly they hate him so yep. much they yep. hate him so much and well they can so hate him all he wants he was a great president he was and uh, a week from today 805 i'll get the, con- the uh, confirmation today president trump will be on this show so I, I heard congratulations yeah. uh, thank so you for that. that's going to be amazing you're going to ask the tough questions 
and it'll be a fantastic interview. Thank that's you. that's what makes you a great interview. You ask all the tough questions. So, and I think people are starting to realize that it's not good to be in an echo chamber. It's good to have people from different walks of life, from the other side of the aisle, to get the real truth yes. out there and really make a change. And that's you, what we're trying if, to do, if, right? If you're respectful, you know, you can't be saying things like, you know, blood on your hands, you're dead. You can't be doing yes. stuff like that. If you're respectful no. to people, you can disagree and still have a great conversation. But that's always been my tact. You know that. It's always been my that's tact. That's absolutely, and that's how we have to be respectful, and that's what we do at Cats at Night, 5 o'clock with John Katzmatidis. He puts together a great show. People don't even realize it, that he is single-handedly responsible for curating that show, making sure all the great guests are on there, all the important topics are discussed, breaking news you don't want to miss at 5 o'clock, Cats at Night. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Boy, the way Glenn Miller played. Songs that made the hit parade. Guys like us, we had it made. Those were the days. And you knew where you were. Oh, come on now. Guys were good. The great Gene Stapleton and Carol O'Connor. Yes, it was. 52 years ago today. That All in the Family premiered on CBS. In my humble opinion, the greatest show ever. Talking about the greatest ever, my next guest is. He was, he still is, he will always be. Whether we're talking about 9 p.m. weeknights on WABC, his own um, website, which, of course, is uh, tremendous, BillOReilly.com. His interviews, his TV shows, his columns. In fact, he wrote one I read today, The Apathy Factor, about Biden. What's funny is I have zero apathy for, for Biden. All I have is disdain, only disdain. I can't stand the guy. We'll get to that. He is Bill O'Reilly. He's the greatest of all time. The best ratings I get all week, and I kill it in ratings, is with him. This time, every Thursday morning, Happy New Year. Welcome back to Great Bill O'Reilly. How are you, buddy? You know, I'm the same, and uh, I always use this line, which is tragic for everyone. You know, people want me to evolve, and I just never do. I'm a <laughs> fossil. I stay the same. There's <laughs> nothing wrong with that. It's, it, as, as long as where you started was the right place. But I have very to tell perceptive, you. Very perspicacious. <laughs> very perspicacious. Very word of the day, perspicacious. Very good word. Uh, two things that happened this week, which tells you why there's no apathy, there's disdain, which I cannot, I cannot chalk up to dementia or an old man, uh, a liar. He, he lied about the border. He knew what he saw. He knew the real deal. And certainly these documents... Lying one day after another. No apathy for me, Bill O'Reilly. Disdain. Well, look, um, it's an interesting study. Uh, any um, WABC listener has had parents uh, or brothers or sisters who um, have lost their mental capacities as they get older 
will recognize that Joe Biden lives from moment to moment. And this is important. And some moments he has clarity, and in many moments he does not. So he has to function, and that's the uh, responsibility of his wife. His wife basically is by his side all the time, even at press conferences. She's sitting just uh, feet away from him. And she pretty much shepherds him through the day. So people think that, oh, this is like um, Barack Obama or Donald Trump in the White House, and they, and they sit around, they decide what to say, and they think about it. No. No. So if you were to sit down with Joe Biden and say, hmm, uh, when did you know that uh, you were told or when were you told that some classified documents that you uh, moved out of your office as vice president wound up in a private facility in D.C. When were you told about that? He would not be able to tell you, Sid. He wouldn't be able to tell you when, if he remembered at all. So the the tell on this is when uh, they were down in Mexico City, the three amigos, and the first question from the AP reporter was about the documents. And Biden, instead of answering the question and looking at the reporter, looked down to his sheet of paper, which was written what he should say. And he read it. He didn't even look up. He just read it right off the paper. Oh, as soon as we knew this, uh, we reported it to the archives, and uh, but we did what we were supposed to do. No mention that there were other documents that were found, you know, three days after he said that. No mention of that, and no mention that after they reported it to the archives, the White House, they buttoned it up because it was before the midterm election. They didn't tell anybody. Where's the transparency in that? Hmm. No mention. No. See, but, now, but the, yeah. all of this, if you were to say to Biden, if he were sitting in your studio right now with you, he wouldn't remember any of that, the sequence of events. Yeah, listen, may, maybe that's true, but my issue with saying that is my friend Donald Trump, who will be on next week right before you on this program. You know, wow. Yes. That's, a, that's a double right there. That's my huh? 8 o'clock hour next Thursday, 805 Trump, 840 O'Reilly. Pretty good. Um, you know, they they arrive at his house with a SWAT team, an FBI raid, doing his wife's underwear drawer. They, I mean, what they did, they went through for Pablo Escobar. And, I know, I and, know, right, but this is... I know, but but if I just say, but O'Reilly didn't even know it was there, then it almost makes it seem like it's okay. But the truth is, they should not be treating, whether it's Merrick Garland or the DOJ, not. any it's differently corruption. than Trump. Right. It's, it's corruption. Right. The government is corrupt. The U.S. government is corrupt. When are we going to all admit that? You don't have the FBI going into uh, Twitter discussing what Twitter should and should not allow if the government isn't corrupt. It is. It's corrupt. The Russian collusion thing was corrupt. And we only found out about it, what, years after they tried to derail Trump's 16 campaign with it. And then after he got into the office, they still didn't stop. And then we find out it's bogus, the whole thing. Luckily, we found that out. Right. Well, if you believe the government is corrupt, and look, I agree with you, and and I agree with you most of the time because, quite frankly, you're the smartest person I know. And I asked you weeks and weeks and weeks ago, if Kevin McCarthy wins, he's promised he's going to impeach everybody. Mayorkas, maybe Biden, Hunter, they're doing an investigation. So yesterday, the House 
started investigating the Biden economic money situation, would you be okay if somewhere down the road Kevin McCarthy put the bullseye right on Joe Biden? If he can compile evidence against Biden that is impeachable. Now, they already have it. It's already there. Right. And that's the border. So when you you are a president and you put your hand up at the inaugural ceremony and you swear to uphold the Constitution of the United States, part of the Constitution is the laws that Congress passed. And Congress passed the immigration law that says you just can't waltz in here and say you want asylum. You have to go to the ports of entry to do that. Well, Biden, and again, does Biden understand all that? Probably not, but that you're right. I'm not giving him a pass. I'm trying to explain how this administration is so incompetent. When it's run by a person who doesn't even understand what's happening, you're going to have incompetence. That's fair. I, I, I'm also asking about his son, though. Yes, the border thing, you can't we argue. To, we have to see. All right, what the the mistake that the right makes, that the conservatives make, all right, is that they do the same thing the left does. (laughs) They convict on an allegation. And if the Republicans start doing what the January 6th committee did to Trump, which was just the biggest farce of all time, okay, if they start doing the same thing, the American people are going to know that. So you've got to stair step it. You've got to bring people in under oath and question them. And the big issue is, did Hunter Biden give his father cash derived from foreign nations? Well, according to Miranda Devine, Tony Bobolinsky, Tucker Carlson, that's not not enough for you? No? No, come on. I mean, with all due respect to the people you named, I mean, they're in the business to hate uh, Biden. Right. Right, that's their business. Right. We hate him. Just like the people uh, on CNN and MSNBC hate Trump. It's the same thing. But now the opportunity is there. And, you know, if Comer and Jordan, these are the Congress people in charge of the committees, if they methodically go through it and prove it beyond a reasonable doubt, and there's a good chance they will, then it's over. Not only for Joe Biden, but for the Democratic Party in 24. Would you like to see Kevin McCarthy remove Bill O'Reilly, Eric Swalwell, and Adam Schiff from that committee? Omar from the Foreign Affairs Committee. Would you like to see him do things like that? Well, he's already done it. So, um, you know, it's a fait accompli. Right. And the answer to the question is yes. Right. You're okay with that? Yeah, because they're not truth tellers. And, and on the other side, George Santos is my congressman. I know. All right? If I see him, if I see him at the Americana Mall in Manhasset, I, I may punch him. I, I probably won't because I don't want to get arrested and sued. Right. But I'll certainly taunt him. Well, I tell you what, yesterday there was a collection of your folks out there from Bruce Blakeman, the Nassau County executive, to Joe Cairo. All those folks are out on the street yesterday yelling and screaming for this guy to resign. He said, I'm not doing it. So Yeah, but this doesn't matter because they're going to get him. He's a grifter. Yeah. Okay, he's not just a liar. He's a grifter. 
And there's a big difference there. So unlike Biden, who can't from moment to moment clarify anything he's doing, Santos knew what he was doing. All right. He knew he goes, ah, throw this stuff up there. How he thought he could ever get away with it. That's the shocker. Okay, but he did get elected. I voted for him because Zimmerman, his opponent, is a left wing loon. I know Zimmerman for for a long time. And all this guy was going to do was just rubber stamp every progressive thing that came down the pike. I don't want that. I didn't look into Santos. I mean, he's running around. He's saying all this stuff. He's a congressperson. I don't investigate congresspeople. I don't have the staff to do it. But anyway, he's done. He'll get out of there, and then there'll be a special election. A Democrat will probably win um, because this is really, really revolting, what happened here. And Republicans in Nassau County had to do this. I'm not disparaging them. But they had to do it. This guy's so bad. Yeah. I mean, it's all, yeah. every day it's some other crazy thing yep. that uh, – what did he say yesterday, that he was uh, a star on a volleyball team at Baruch? <laughs> did they even have a volleyball team? Uh, you listen, I, I actually graduated from Baruch. I have no idea. <laughs> I, and today it's going to be he was designated a hitter for the Mets in 1988. You wouldn't you be know, surprised. I know. I know. It's, it's, it's complete zaniness. What this uh, what this man has done. I do want to ask you about a a certain birthday today, Bill O'Reilly. Today happens to be Rush Limbaugh's birthday. Of course, he died last year. And I always say without any hesitation, you're the greatest of all time. And I mean that. I'm being completely sincere. No reason to blow smoke up here. But I really believe that. But certainly Rush Limbaugh has a legion of folks who thinks he's the greatest conservative voice of all time. Would you give him that without any any hesitation? On the media, certainly William Buckley, um, probably the most uh, astute conservative voice in the media. But on the radio, I don't think there's anybody close to Limbaugh. Um, and, and the genius that Limbaugh had was that he was funny, mm-hmm. that he would present yeah. the stuff, mm-hmm. not all the time, but a lot of the time using humor. And um, that was entertaining. And and as you know, what do you do? Eight hours now on WABC? I think <laughs> you sit on for eight hours every time I turn the radio on. Every, there you are, either a telethon or uh, you're juggling there. Yeah, I mean it's unbelievable how many hours you do. Uh, but you, you know, when you do that volume of radio, you have to entertain people. Yeah, yeah. You can't just ah, hate this guy. No. no, you have to make it funny. And he was very, very good at doing that. And the other thing was he had a tremendous shield to be able to absorb the unbelievable punishment that he took. Yes, yes. And I took it too. And then, But after him, I mean, and I know what he went through because I went through it. And, and he was able to do that without it affecting his performance on the radio or shaking up his core belief system. You know, a lot of a lot of radio and TV commentators, they get it right between the eyes, and, and that shakes their knees. They buckle. Yep. And they pull back. Yeah. Now, I never did that. I took an enormous amount of, uh, and still do to this day, of left-wing media um, <clears throat> disparagement and defamation. He took more than I did, Limbaugh. And, and so the guy was the pioneer. He set the template. And uh, people should uh, recognize that whether they agreed with him or not. And on the flip side of Rush Limbaugh, another guy, it's ironic, Bill O'Reilly, also celebrating a birthday today, 
from your neck of the woods in Long Island. On the flip side, Howard Stern. I went to school with him at Boston U. Did you know that? No, I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, we were both in the School of Communication at the same time. And the only reason that I knew him, he was undergrad, I was a master's uh, degree candidate, was he was the only guy taller than me. <laughs> In the school. That's true, yes. Yeah, yes. and the guy was like 6'5", 34 pounds. <laughs> I mean, he was a, and this giant fro on his head, this yeah. giant afro. Yeah. And he'd be walking down, and i look at it, i go, mm, I don't know if that's a good look. Um, <laughs> he ain't going to make it. <laughs> right, and then he was on uh, the BU radio station um, and this and that. But again, he made it because of his humor, Stern. No doubt. And and he he's changed now. Yeah, he's not the same guy. No, you're right. Because he doesn't have the pressure of ratings anymore. No. So his check is guaranteed no matter how many people listen. And then that kind of the true person comes out when you, you don't have to, you know, persuade an audience to listen to you every day. And he does not. He gets the money whether they listen or not. And so I've seen him change um, on the air. Uh, but you've got to admire him. Again, he did what Limba did. He took the slings because they came after him. He got fired, and it was hellacious. And he stood up to that and didn't deviate uh, early on from his very successful formula. Yep, you're right. And uh, who knows better than you? Again, the great Bill O'Reilly. If people go to BillOReilly.com right now, what is the latest deal on killing the legend? Well, it was number 13 on Sunday. Wow. On Still. the New York Times list. Can Still. you believe that? It's been out since September. I know. That's that's unheard of to be done that long. Yeah. I'm sitting here going, whoa. Um, so obviously the book is resonating. But I have a clip posted right now on BillOReilly.com of me and Chris Cuomo last night on News Nation. You want to see this. I do. It's about the Biden uh, document thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You want to go to Bill you know, O'Reilly? You know what's funny? Watch this clip. I'm going to go watch it. You know, my house, I had uh, rain in my home. It was horrible. And, and uh, Rain, I'm sorry. I had uh, pipes burst in the house, me and Danielle. So my house is basically ruined. It's like 300000 worth of damage. We've got to move out for the next five months. So they put us in a hotel last week, the UN Millennium Hotel on 44th and 2nd. I did not know that News Nation is on 43rd and 2nd. So I walk out one night for dinner, and who do I bump into on the street? Chris Cuomo. And what was the conversation about? You. <laughs> really? I'm like, you've got my friend Bill O'Reilly on, don't you? And he's like, oh, yeah, he's great. I love Bill O'Reilly, blah, blah, blah. He was very nice. It lasted like two or three minutes, and I walked away. But he was uh, really complimentary. I swear to God about you. He really well, was. Well, that's good. The ratings on his program when I go on are high, too. And, you know, you guys are in a competitive market now. This is what you have to do. And you do it, as you said at the beginning of the segment, uh, Sid and Friends is dominating in <laughs> New York morning well, radio. Well, Who thank knew? You. Well, thank you. You're, you're a huge part of that. You're a huge part of it. You really are. And I appreciate that about you, and I love that about you. And you're the best, Bill. I'll be listening 9 o'clock tonight and uh, BillOReilly.com every day. And just keep coming back. I love you, pal. Thank you. Okay. Good, Sid. Thank you. There Bye. he is, Bill O'Reilly, every Thursday right here on Sid and Friends in the morning. What a terrific guy. He really is. Big 9 o'clock hour to come. Bo Deedle making his second appearance of the week. Dr. Mark Siegel, is COVID back? We're going to find out. And Sid's take your chance at cash and prizes thanks to Pete Morgan and Peerless Boiler. Fourth and final hour, Sid and Friends in the Morning. About to come your way.
entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Against the wind, Bob Seeger against the wind, 907, fourth and final hour, sitting friends in the morning, talk radio, 77 WABC, been a great, 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 great show already, Judge Napolitano, Lydia Reports, Bill O'Reilly, we'll talk to Dr. Mark Siegel coming up at 925, this COVID is not gone yet, according to the medical folks here in New York, they're still discussing bringing back masks and all that nonsense, which I won't do, but that's fine. And then we'll play Sid's Take coming up at 940, your chance at cash and prizes. Thanks to my friend Pete Morgan and the fine folks at Peerless Boilers. Tomorrow on the program, Rudy Giuliani, Joe Tacopina, and uh, Emmett Smith, Hall of Fame running back for the Dallas Cowboys. We've decided to put Bo Dita like Curtis Sliwa, although Curtis, I'm about to uh, ban at least one, one of those uh, visits. Maybe both, I don't know. But Bo's on twice a week now because Bo's great. Here he is. Uh, now he'll be moved to Tuesdays at 7.05. Here now on Thursdays at 9.05 is the great Bo Deedle. Good morning, Bo. How are you, pal? Good morning. All I know is I talked to Danny A. in Israel. He's not going to give you the location of the screening. It's a private screening. He's afraid you're going to give the location out on the air. You're invited with one other. That's it, my friend. You know I what's funny is I, I, I actually do have the location because Gustavo sent it to me, and I was like, and I was like, can I post that? And he's like, no. No. Danny, I said no. no. Right. No. And, and then I go, I need eight tickets. I got to take my mother. I got to take John and Margot. He's like, he's like, no, no. I'm like, well, can somebody give me some real answers? So thanks to you, Bo. Now I know February the thirteenth. It's me, Danielle, Gabriel. That's it, right? That's it, baby. Hey, <laughs> listen. All I know is. On a serious note, my heart goes out to this former New York City detective, Nicholas Nelson. He was walking with his kids in Staten Island, and some creep came up to him with a mask on, dressed in all black. He brought his kids back home. He went back out to confront this guy. He got stabbed in the neck, and he killed him. And to me, you know, this can happen to anybody, and people have to realize when you confront these creeps on the street, even being a retired detective or whatever, you don't know what they're going to do next. And that's how dangerous New York City continues to be. And that's that act, you know. Hey, so guess what? They, so I did my, my, my podcast all the time, this true crime story, Bo Deedle's true crime story on the podcast. So yesterday I did it, and it was about this dad 
that was convicted of running a cell cult, a sex cult in Sarah Lawrence College. This creep was a liar. He went, moved into her dorm, and then he manipulated, psychologically manipulated all these young girls and guys to have sex with each other, yep. bringing the gals out there to raise money, and then he had them try to commit suicide 12 times. This punk's name was Larry Ray. I remember the story. Ray. I remember the story. It was uh, a crazy story. Well, I tell you what, when I really dug into it, I never realized, you know, you got Bernie Kerrick involved with this, and, and Rudy Giuliani, was he was making every allegation all untrue. He was making all kinds of al- allegations that he was a CIA guy, he, he was involved with Stinger missiles, and he mind-screwed these kids. To, he controlled them, and he was having sex with all of them. Uh. He moved into the dorm of his daughter, and they let him stay there. I don't understand where the director of security was. And this is no garbage college. I mean, Sarah Lawrence College is a fine college. But this is on the podcast, Bo Deedle's True Crime Story. I tell everybody, had to go into two different parts. It's so interesting, and I've talked about a lot about cases, but this case is really, really, really interesting. And I I really tell everybody to listen to it. So now yesterday, uh, Tuesday, I was talking about Sammy the Bull, uh, Prince Henry, Sammy the Bull. Yeah, and the, now we the rat. find out. Now we find out his ghostwriter comes out and says that uh, that this guy's lying about everything in this book. And all of it, <clears throat> he says that when the Queen Mother died, he was at boarding school. Lie. He was with Prince William and the father. Uh, uh, the other guy kind of looks like a horse. Charles. He was with them on a ski vacation. Oh yeah. Then all of a sudden, he says he's the great great seven greats grandfather was Henry the Sixth. Only problem is <laughs> Henry the Sixth had one kid. That kid took the pipe. At 17 years old, he never had another kid. Another lie. It just keeps coming out. And then he's talking about buying his father-in-law first-class tickets to come to this and that. I think the mushrooms are kicking in on this kid, you know? And so, and now, you know, now as far as that goes, anything this kid says now, I, you know, you got to take it with a grain of salt. He can put anything in there. And I just, again, I have to defend him because – He's a veteran. He fought in Afghanistan, and uh, that's the only part of my heart that goes out to him. I just wish he wasn't such a dickhead. Uh, you, now, you know, it's funny. Again, I, I can't muster yeah. Bo, and I understand I'm in the minority yeah. because whether uh, I like it or not, millions and millions of people care about the royalty. They'll watch 60 Minutes to see him walk in the guard with Anderson Cooper. They get up at 3 o'clock in the morning in America <laughs> to watch him get married. I can't muster any interest. I don't wish any of them anything bad. God bless him live a long life. I don't care how he did cocaine. He had sex with a hook. I don't care. I didn't, when, the, when the queen died, I didn't cry. When Princess Diana died, I didn't cry. Hey, I just don't hey, care. Would you take 99 years old right now? To- <laughs> uh, Bo, I, I, Bo, I'll take 79 right now, of course. <laughs> so now I'm, I'm really glad to see that we cracked down on all these gangs in Brooklyn selling guns. Now they're prosecuting them federally, so that means these guys are going away for a long, long time. But I keep coming out with your friend when you have dinner with him again. I keep texting him. Why don't we prosecute the convicted felons with guns federally? This is the only way we're going to get these garbage cans off the well, street. Well, well stop, stop for one second, because I just saw the commissioner, who may be joining me in the next two weeks as well, Keyshawn Sewell. Yeah. She was just on New York One Bowl. And she was talking about this this ring in Brooklyn that they actually took down. Now, are you telling me 
on the city level in this Brooklyn ring, it was a federal offense, but they won't do it on a state level. I'm confused. What's the difference? Okay, don't be confused. Here's the simplest, simplest explanation. Okay. Right now, when they took these gun people bringing these guns in, they could have been prosecuted through the state laws. But we know what happens with the state laws. All these bleeding heart DAs and all that, they would be released right. out there, no bail. Right. Now they're prosecuting them under the federal law. What I've been saying, and it makes so much sense, and everybody goes, Bo, keep on saying it on Sid. Really simple. You get a guy with a loaded gun out there who's got six convictions on guns and everything. You know what they do? They prosecute him through the state law, and he goes nowhere. He right. don't go to jail. Right. So if we start prosecuting with the U.S. Attorney's Office at the Southern and Eastern District, we put these dickheads, and eventually you'll see the streets will start to empty out. It's about like John Casamitita said. It's about 3,000 little scumbags running around the city committing all the crimes. Right. Once we incarcerate them, it will, we will eliminate this threat, and if we don't do it, it's just going to be keep happening and happening. So, and so what happening. I don't get is, based upon what yeah. you're talking about, you know this is true. You heard it on the air. I actually said to the mayor, you heard it. I said, what yeah. about Bo's proposal to do this on a federal level? And you heard him say, I think it's a great idea. So he's already on record, Eric Adams, saying he likes your idea. Well, when you get the police commissioner on again, and again, I was told by somebody, and I don't even tell you, hey, Bo, do you want to come back on board and you want to help out with this? I said, no, I don't want no job. I don't need a plaque for my car. I don't need a siren and a light. What I need is the city streets to be safer. I don't need no pats on the back. All <laughs> I'm telling you is this is an answer. It's right in front of your yep. face, yep. and your people should be asking the question, why? Why are we not doing it? That's that's well, the what do, you, what do you think? Because it is smart. It's really smart, and I think yeah. it would help. Why do, why do you think they're not doing it? What's the answer? Well, you know what I got kicked back at? Listen to this. That was a great question, like always, Sid. You, you hit the nail on the head. Because if we start doing it, it's going to be racist against the blacks. Uh, because the majority of the people carrying illegal guns, I'll say it right out, are not white uh, supremacists, right, right, okay? right, right. So my point is they, they're going to say that this is a racist thing, that it's only out for blacks. No, how about whoever commits the crime, whoever carries the illegal gun, that's who we have to incarcerate. And well, if it's a white guy, he should have the same thing. If he's a convicted felon, he should go to jail too. This is real, so ridiculous. <laughs> and now, now that I'm gonna, starting to really start up here, Ukraine, I was talking to a major, major military guy. Did you ever hear of the HIMARS? HIMARS, H-I-M-A-R-S. I don't HIMARS, know. No. High, multiple, high Mobile Artillery Rocket Systems. Oh, boy. These are the things that the Ukrainians need to take the Russians out of the occupied territories. Instead of us just throwing $80 billion, we got to know where our money's going. Because something tells me over there in Ukraine, there's a lot of money being made. Yep. We should know what we're doing with that money. Just don't send $80 billion. Let's say, here, you want these HIMARS? Here you go. we got to control the money's going over there. If if we're going to support that, which I am supportive of it, but if we're going to do it, we got to know where the money's. Because something tells me maybe Biden's son has a defense <laughs> department company over there in Ukraine. That's right. This little punk has not been prosecuted. And you know what? I ten percent could be going to the big friggin' guy from Ukraine. We got to understand it could be happening right now. It wouldn't oh, be the first God. time. It wouldn't be the and first then time. All of a sudden. All of a sudden, with these, with our stores, Fort John, all these stores out there, Christini's, all this, and they're out there. John gave the statistics yesterday. I listened.
some days are robbing 30% of the, of the food out of the stores. And of 235, these are the same people over and over. When are we going to stop it? So, hey, Sid, you need some eggs? $9 a dozen. <laughs> Any store you want. Go with a shopping bag. Rob the friggin' thing. Don't pay for it. No one's going to stop you. And that is why, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Bo Deedle is on one twice more, a week. Go more, ahead, please. you go ahead, Bo. Go, one baby, more. go, go. One more. Go. And, and bye-bye, dickhead, this George Santos. He lied about him being a Jew. His parents were in the Holocaust. This punk, oh, he set up this. Pulse nightclub. This punk can get the hell out of there already. I, I, I don't want to watch him in the face. See those glasses he wears? I'd like to punch him right in the face <laughs> with those glasses. But I'll only do it in Manhattan. Because in Manhattan, there'll be no bail. And again, folks, that's why Bo Deedle is on twice a week. That was a beautiful appearance by Bo Deedle. And I got to tell you, the Holocaust thing is no joke. As a proud Jew myself, that is no joke. Bo Deedle, round of applause. Great job on Tuesday. Great job on Thursday. Now you can check out Bo Deedle twice a week on Sid and Friends in the Morning. 7.05, new time on Tuesday morning, no longer 7.40. 7.05 on Tuesday morning and 9.05 on Thursday morning. Bravo, Bo Deedle. Take a short break. We'll talk to Dr. Mark Siegel. Is COVID still here? You're going to want to hear the answer, trust me. Dr. Mark Siegel is coming up next. Against the wind. Little something against the wind. I found myself seeking shelter against the wind. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. Yeah, Jeff Beck, the Yardbirds, it's our second Yardbirds song today because of Jeff Beck, and only Lou Rufino would know that, or Lou's a genius. You really are a genius, you know that? Mm, I like it, that sounds good. You're one of those people that think we use those words way too much, genius and great, like I'm so guilty of that, everybody's great, everybody's great, and some of them really are, some aren't, that's fine. Are you one of those people that doesn't annoy you if I... Call somebody great who you find to be well, mediocre. Well, it seems to get distilled when everybody no, is called a genius. Know. It's like saying, you, you've got a nose. Oh, you got a nose. Right. Oh, you got a nose. Right. So you've called Phil a genius. He is a genius. Okay, so yeah. Phil and I are both geniuses. I think you both are, seriously. Okay. No I'm being serious. Noam Layden. Not a genius. All right. Very just, bright man. Just an Alec. And by the way, Noam Layden is great at radio. Right, he is. Alex a moron. Okay. No. Not a genius, no. Not okay. I'm a genius. Okay, so we should actually have little designations on, you know. What about honest. Dr. Mark Siegel? What do you think he is? I think he's a genius because he's pretty smart in all fields, a lot of fields, a lot of stuff. He's like <laughs> kind of below Gordon Chang, maybe. Would you say? He well, is? well, Gordon Chang is is the, is the he put the G in genius. Yes. He also put the G in his middle name. Right. Because he is mean, Gordon G. Chang on Twitter. I yeah. think he came up with the uh, those math equations for Goodwill Hunting. He I don't know. He may have. I don't even know at this point. <laughs> I don't know what the actual answer. Well, he is. keeps telling us we got to move out because. Because we're, uh, they're going to kill us, the Chinese, the Russians. Now I'm hearing this week, COVID's going to kill us again. I mean, I, I put the news on, I don't know if it was Dana Tyler, one of these uh, local ladies, fine. And they're like, COVID's back, it's back. And uh, stop telling people it's not back, it's back. I go, it's not back. 
It's back. I imagine in his office he has a countdown clock to the end of the world. Who, Siegel or Gordon Chang? Uh, Gordon Chang. Maybe, yeah. maybe Dr. Siegel does too. Well, Siegel tells us COVID <laughs> or masks are coming back now. To me, that's as bad as the end of the world. Okay. Because I hated that period of time. I just hated it. Well, I'll make and to sure. see these idiots still walking around with masks on, and <laughs> which is, it, it really bothers me. I, I can't explain it, but I, I, it's like a visceral reaction. I want to punch him in the face. It's horrible. Yeah. Well, you're not a genius in that respect. I guess not. not. Dr. Mark Siegel, hello, genius. How are you? Wow, what a buildup. And I'm sitting here thinking, what am I going to talk about? First of all, (laughs) I I want to tell you, Sid, I do think you're a genius, but I think of you as somebody that is buff, that works out all the time, that has this perpetual tan, that that the ladies swoon when they see you. I mean, you know, on top of that, you're a genius. On top of that, you're a genius. Yeah, that's true. Now, now you're talking to me about another story about COVID coming back, and you're not going to believe where I'm going to start on this. Oh my I'm God. going to talk about courage. I'm going to say that what has really characterized COVID in a very terrible negative way is the fear that it's induced, and the government has fanned the flames of the fear, and the media loves fear because it rates. But let's contrast that to some stories of courage, like Peyton Hillis, Saving the, the the kid that was drowning, like like Demar Hamlin. I mean, you know, nobody thought he was going to recover. Now oh, but hold on, to... hold on. I got to stop you for a second. And you know, I love you to pieces. Don't compare Hamlin to Hillis. Hamlin got hurt doing his job. I'm not going to give the guy credit for not dying. I mean, it's a nice story. Thank God he survived. I'm not going to give him credit for not dying. Peyton Hillis jumped in the water to save somebody's life and nearly died. And by the way, Peyton Hillis has gotten almost zero press because he's a white retired football player and morons are walking around this country wearing Hamlin jerseys like he took a gun like Pat Tillman and went to Afghanistan. So let's not compare Hamlin getting hurt on a football field and surviving, he's 24 years old, to what Peyton Hillis did. Sorry. I like that. Yeah. You, you corrected me, and I'll take it. Okay. I'll take that, especially <laughs> since Hillis has a lot, had had a lot of damage to his kidneys as a result because when you're drowning, you, your kidneys suffocate, by the way, and then they get overloaded with salt. Oh, boy. It, it's very rough. It's a rough recovery. So, so, if, he, so if he survives, but, if he survives, he'll have to do, like, dialysis and all that stuff, right? Well, we don't know. We, you know, he, too, is not as young as as Hamlin, but he, he too, is, you know, he's not as old as us, Sid, so... He, he, he has some recovery there that, that, that we don't know yet. I mean, dialysis may be short-term. But let me, let me get back to your point. I don't totally agree with you about Hamlin, and let me, let me throw back something at you. I may be wrong on this because I can't prove this, but we doctors, especially those of us who have worked in intensive care units and in ERs, we don't think that being on a ventilator is such a great experience, and we tend – to think that courage is related, although I can't prove it and I could be wrong. You know, I, I still think that, that he's shown a remarkable recovery that may, may give a nod to fortitude here. I can't prove that. I, I think you're right that I shouldn't have made that direct comparison. No, but, but, I'll, but I'll give you fortitude, and I'll give you um, the will, and I'll give you heart. I can't give you courage. I'm sorry. Right. What was it? I mean, he, he, he didn't. He would have died, and then what? I mean, so I'll give you a lot of those adjectives. I think are in play here. And again, don't get me okay. wrong; it's a great story. 
But I believe after three or four days, especially after he was going to be okay, and the NFL and ESPN continues to talk about this guy day in and day out when little kids are getting shot in schools and, and, and uh, ending, ending up in, in coffins, to me became perverse and, and a bit much for me. I'm sorry. And I love football. But this was a – he didn't die. He didn't die. I like your point. I like your Thank point. Thank you. Thank now, you. if we see him play, if we see, you're going to change your view if you see him playing this week. That's for sure. Well, you know, that would, but he's not going to play this week against the oh, Dolphins. But it does bring up a, a bigger question. I had this fight with my wife, Danielle, Dr. Mark, and uh, as soon as he woke up, I said, he's going to play again. I said, what are his options? He's going to go to med school? Let's be honest. I mean, he's 24 <laughs> years old, and, and um, you know, unless there's significant damage that I don't know about, then he's going to play football again. What do you think about his future? You know, this is interesting. I have to say that one of our top cardiologists at NYU said from the beginning he's going to wake up. That was the big question. Is he going to wake up because of oxygen to the brain? You know, same, same again. I, I'm making the same comparison. I'm sorry, but, you know, to Hillis's kidneys. You know, like, in other words, how much damage is done to an organ? And he's, he's overcome that. Neurologically, he looks great. And I think you're right. He's going to play again, provided that there's not something we don't know about his heart. His lungs are going to heal. His lungs will heal. Whatever's going on with his lungs, fluid, damage from the arrest, that heals. The question is, does he have any underlying heart issues? And they can, by the way, uh, you're not going to believe this, but they could actually put a defibrillator in him, and he still could play football. Right. That might be a precaution they would consider. I think if he doesn't have significant heart damage, he plays. Agreed. I agree with you. Agree. This is uh, the great Dr. Mark Siegel, who's a uh, great guest on this show, along with John Katsimatidis quite a bit as well. In fact, John introduced us and, of course, a huge star on Fox News. So let's go back to the, uh, the start of the conversation with COVID, the local news uh, trying to convince me that uh, it's not it's not gone, that it's it's coming back. The cases are back. I'm hearing whispers about masks and all that nonsense. Where are we right now with COVID? Well, I think that there's a new subvariant that is spreading a lot. And I think that one of the things we haven't paid attention to in the last year or so is the issue of who's a high risk group and who is it? That's what we need to be talking about. I mean, I think the public would understand that if you're 90 years old, and you got diabetes, or 70 even, you know, have diabetes, whatever, that you're at higher risk. But, you know, I think way too much attention has been paid, and I know you agree with this, Sid, to clamping down on 17-year-olds. Right. And there's been tremendous damage from that. So I think it's a knee-jerk government response that is intended to garner votes and doesn't work. Because the public's become too smart for that. I'll tell you what else does. I'll tell you what else doesn't seem to work. And and I got two of them and a booster, and that is the vaccines. I mean, as time is going by, they uh, they are less and less effective. Now, again, thank God the strains are not as serious as when it first came here from China. People aren't dying at that rate, thank God. But it, it turns out, Doctor Mark Siegel, that uh, a lot of these vaccines it just don't work all that well. You know, Sid, I think that there's something divine that goes over when you and I talk on the radio. I think God is watching us, and I'll tell you why. Or listening. Okay. By the way, by the way, when I went to by, by the when I went to Jerusalem recently, and I went to the wall of the temple, it says, "Put a note there for God." And I said, "Wait a minute, God doesn't know what I'm thinking. I don't need to leave the man a note. <laughs> God, I don't need to leave God a note." But but seriously, you you actually my point of view on this exact question changed five minutes ago. That's why I think there's something divine here. Paul wow. Offit from Penn, Paul Offit from Penn wrote uh, an article in the New England Journal of Medicine that's very impressive that your point is right. 
that that over time the boosters effect are waning and you're losing impact each time you give another booster and so they should be reserved for those with high risk groups and that by constantly boostering we're really not doing much and I, I think he gives a very impressive argument on that, that you're right. And mm. ultimately, we need to change the whole vaccine to one that you inhale so that it just stops you from getting it, period. And we're not there. We're not there. So what is more by dangerous? The way, by the way, yeah. Biden, Biden continues the pandemic. He continues the pandemic. But the money's dried up. Of Typical, course. Right? Of course. So what's more dangerous right now for the average person? I'm not talking about the person with heart disease or the person who's... Um, you know, really fat, obese, that type of thing. The average person right now gets the flu. The average person gets COVID. Who's going to be sicker? Right now, the average person would be sicker from flu uh, because of all the reasons we're talking about, because there's a lot of immunity built up in the community, in the country, because of vaccines and because of all the people who have had COVID. And one of the things you get from a strain that's this contagious is that everybody gets a mild case. But, of course, the media doesn't talk about the mild cases. And you know how I know there's a lot of unreported mild cases? Because everybody has a kit in their house now, right? Right, so, right. So people are testing, and they're not telling the government, hey, you know, nobody tells the government anything. So they're not telling the government, come over here, I got a positive test. So all of those tests are uncounted. I got a tool. You know, I can use Paxlovid. I think it works in higher-risk groups, older people. So we're not where we were, and we shouldn't be fear-mongering. One more, you know, I don't uh, like to quote CNN because for the most part they just do hateful <laughs> television. I know, I know. And well, they don't rate. They, they don't, don't rate, rate. exactly. And they, even Don Lemon and these two nice-looking ladies in the morning, nobody cares. But they did something <laughs> on, the, on the medical front this morning, and it caught my eye because when I'm doing my show, I've got televisions on in the newsroom, and I'm capable of talking on the radio and watching the television out of the left corner of my eyeball. And uh, what I saw was, is it dangerous to use tap water when you need water for certain medical tests? Because we know a lot of medical tests, you need water. Is it dangerous to use tap water? Now, I couldn't hear it because I'm doing the radio show, but I thought it was interesting. Has that become a a big issue in the medical community? It shouldn't. It has to do with the, 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 the scarcity of supplies. I mean, we have plenty of sterile water usually to do procedures with. Nobody should be... Can you imagine using sterile gloves, making sure you're completely decontaminated, but then using tap water? Now, tap water, <laughs> by the way, I, 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 tap water, by the way, is not full of bacteria. I mean, it's not. It's not something I'm dangerous. I feel dangerous drinking, well, especially especially in, your, in, your especially house, in New York. In New York, as I remember when I lived in Boca Raton, for example, nobody liked the bagels or the pizza because when you walked by a reservoir, it smelled like sulfur. So all these successful companies in Florida would actually have 55-gallon drums of water delivered from New York. So the bagels and pizza tasted the same because of all the sulfur in the water in Florida. That's not the case here in New York. You know, it's something we can thump our chests about. We get it from upstate. We get it from mountain spring water. That's right. Our, our, I think that's why there's so many rats here, Sid. They're, they're, they know they can get great water to drink. Have you seen the number of rats lately, by the way? Yeah, yeah. I'm, trying, I'm trying to ask you a medical question. Is it safe for me to work down the street late at night? I see these rats. Is one of them going to bite me? I mean, so far they seem to be avoiding me, but I, I, I don't like the idea. I've heard that the, that the teeth of rats no. is stronger than steel. Well, I would say this. There's probably a better chance that a homeless person will bite you, but either way you're going to get bit. <laughs> 
stay to the main streets. Right, that's I'll why I moved to Queens. That's why I moved to Queens, Doc. But uh, as always, a uh, great conversation, and uh, thank you so much. I love when you come on. I really do. And how about our Knicks? Another big win yeah, last uh, night. Amazing, actually. Um, amazing. Uh, one of our top Fox anchors was there at the game, and he said they're going to lose it at the end. I, he also said to me something I got to comment on quickly. He he said I won't name him, but he, you know him. He's a friend of ours. He yeah. said he thinks Brunson is a ball hog. Do you? Yes, but but he's good at it. If you're going to be a ball hog, make sure you put the ball in the basket. He he's not a great passer, Jalen Brunson. He never was, but he can score. And uh, that one-two punch of him and Randall has been pretty effective for the Knicks, and they've been fun to watch. So uh, we'll see. I'll see you at the Garden one of these days. We're, co- we're going. We're going to have a steak because. Last time I had a steak with you, one got mailed to me. So I'm going <laughs> with a steak for the game. It's true. I love you, Dr. Mark. Thank you so much. Thank you. There he is, Good folks. Take care. Thanks. Dr. Mark Siegel. Check him out on uh, Fox News. And if you live in New York, you're not feeling well, my recommendation is call Dr. Mark Siegel. That's the guy. Boy. Now it's time for Sid's Take. Good luck. It's Sid's Take. Sponsored by Fearless Boilers and Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters on 77 WABC. All right. Sid's Take Contest. Sponsored by Peerless Boilers. Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com. PavilionTankless.com for a dealer near you. They are America's best built boilers. And I am... Justin Ellick, your host for the game, and the executive producer of this wonderful program, Phil's boss. So, yeah, going well too. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Phil, what are you going to do? It's the game. I mean, listen, he didn't give it to me. I had to look for it. It was not in the spot he said it was in. So I had to go find it myself. Did what I had to do. Are you talking about me? No, I'm not. I'm not talking about you at all. Shut up. Here we go. Into the game. Here we go. Mike is our contestant out in Long Island. What's going on, Mikey? Hey, what's going on, guys? How are you? Yeah, we're good. We're good. How you feeling on this Thursday? It's, it's almost Friday, so we're almost there. Hey, we're on the same page there, Mike. Oh, you're one of Justin's guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. Mike, we're supposed to be hush-hush about the recruitment process, okay? Six minutes, 40 seconds to Friday. Yeah, there we <laughs> here we go. All right, Mike, uh, today's uh, basically, I guess, the rules, you could say. Three for Thursday, okay? I'm going to give you three hints on uh, really uh, any anything. Um, and uh, you're going to have to tell me what I'm thinking of, okay? All right. All right, here we go. Number one. Beans, an 86-year curse, and the big green monster. All right. All right, tell me what I'm thinking of, Mike. Tomway Park. What? He was close. He was close. The Boston Red Sox. Would be the correct answer. Uh, you don't have to overthink well, it, Mike. Same thing. Yeah. Well, not really. No. One's the team, one's the ballpark. But <laughs> <laughs> here we go on to number two. Over one. It's not hand grenades. Yeah. Your three hints are Queens, New York, a dingbat, and Sally Struthers. Sid Rosenberg. Oh, yeah. A C- couple of them have to do with Sid. Yeah. <laughs> All in the Family would be the correct answer. The show we mentioned early on in the program. Over two here, Mike, on to number three. Your three hints are the guarantee, Medicare commercials, and Super Bowl three. Mike! Joe Theismann. No. Loser. Joe Theismann. 
All he, could, nice all he can guarantee was a snapped femur. Hey, now! Oof. Oof. Joe Namath yeah. would be the correct answer. Wrong, Joe. Uh, 0 for 3. There you go. On to number 4, Mike. You're doing great. Just kidding. Here we go. Founded <laughs> your three hints for number 4. It's almost Friday. Yeah. Founded in 1993, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and Dana White. UFC. Hey, now. He's on fire. 1 for 4. Here he hasn't go, missed if you don't count the first three questions. Uh, I am counting them all. Then that's how the missed. game works, Phil. Uh, one for four. In an attempt to go two for five, Mike, your three hints are Books of the Bible, Car Company, and Peter Gabriel. Genesis. Hey, now! He went perfect. Perfect. If you Very don't count the first nicely three. done, Mike. You caught you, uh, you, made up, you made up for it a little bit there on the back end. Two for five. It's not a bad score on this Thursday morning. You're going to give Sid our little run for his money. He's going to be very confused as to how to actually uh, play this game today. I have predictions. Yeah. Though, how his reaction? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Who <laughs> bought this damn game? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. Here we go. Big guy. Big guy's have, working his way in now. Have fun, Phil. He's like he's saying things, but I can't hear him. I'm wearing I'm wearing cans. So let's play the game. All right. You ready? How many did you get right? He got two two for uh, went two for five. All right. This is how you speak English. Here no. we go. All right, so the, I don't know all these people are walking around the building. I don't I understand. I'm well, like, who do you not know one? now? This girl. Who's this girl? Who's uh, behind Lois? That's Jackie. Right? She's our new traffic. Jackie. Uh, our, when our did new, she start uh, working here? Uh, a couple about, weeks ago. Uh, two and a half years ago. Oh, she Jewish? No. 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 Oh, no. no, no, I don't think so. <laughs> Jackie, <laughs> you Jewish? Idiot. Are you Jewish? Yeah. Oh, oh Jackie Jewish. is Jewish. Oh, Jackie is Jewish. Good. Well, welcome. Nice to see you. My dad's Jewish. My father's Jewish, but her mother's not. Right. What does that mean? She's been here for two and a half years. I'm kidding. No, I haven't been here for two and a half years. I don't even, yeah, because I say I don't remember meeting her. Well, good, good luck to you, Jackie. Thank you. Yeah. I'm the biggest star at this station. You should, she you should can't say hello you. to me. Shut up. Fine. What, she, nice. she doesn't care if okay, you're well, the fine. biggest just star at this She should care. All those commercials are mine. Well, but she could hear that. You Greg Kelly, four for Curtis Slee, win 50 for me. Well, I don't think, but I don't think she's selling it. It doesn't matter. Just I don't, play I don't know the damn her. game. Oh, come on. The car's in the My mail, okay? God. At least you're Jewish. At the very least. Big distinction there. Here we go. All right. Three hints. You got to tell me what I'm thinking of. You ready? Yeah. Three for thirty. This is cool. Full road this. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll, you're we'll going to be, re- you be really happy with how he wrote the game. <laughs> All right. Number one, Beans, an 86-year curse, and the big green monster. The Red Sox. Yeah. Spectacular. All right. All right. I'm, like, nervous. Yeah. Oh, you should Why be. are you nervous? I don't know. Because you're a sick, sick guy, bro. You've got... God, so? this game is so much better stop than beat Bernie. It's so much better. Yeah, stop touching your face. Stop it's touching weird. your face. Yeah. It's better than touching. No, but I can't. I, I look at you and it freaks me out. He's right. Yeah. Why are you looking at Yeah, bugs him there and stuff. It's I don't even gross. know. Gross. Yeah, number two. Ew. <laughs> All right, number two. Your three hints. Queens, New York, Dingbat, and Sally Struthers. All in the family. Hey, now. <laughs> Off to a hot start here, Sydney. You have tied our contestant, Mike. Who played Mike. Meathead on that show? I don't know. Oh, come oh, on. Really? Oh, oh, come on. Yeah, that's easy, you should know. Oh, right. Come on. Why weren't you born 30 years earlier? I'm young. You, you I'm young and of, I know You this. never heard of Babe Ruth? Uh, his, I, name I, is, his name is Rob Reiner. That's not the same Rob, thing. Same exact thing. <laughs> Rob, Rob Reiner. Reiner is not on the same level of, as Babe Ruth. He's even bigger. He <laughs> wrote Stand By Me. I think I'm yeah, no, what's the next one? Let's go. I think <laughs> I'm dying. Justin's going to die. Oh, my God. I got like a bug in my throat. Here we go. Number three. The Guarantee Medicare Commercials. And Super Bowl three. Joe Namath. Today is the... Uh, what are you doing? You're coughing on me. Stop it. Uh-huh. 52-year anniversary of the guarantee. Beat the Colts in Super Bowl three, and he does do it. But you figured that out because of the Medicare commercials. Yeah, that's true. <sighs> that's the one yeah. that gave it away. Yeah. 
Phil's wasting time. Number four. <laughs> I thought it was going to be like Susie Culver, Monday Night Football, a couple tequilas. You've already won today's <laughs> I game. I want to kiss you. Okay. Not I yet. don't want to kiss oh, you, though. Uh, number four. Number four. Founded in 1993, <laughs> Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and Dana White. UFC, I mean. Yeah. This guy only got two right. I know. Against Is he a moron? He got the last two right, though. Oh, so my God. He got that one right. This game's like really written for, um, well. Morons? Yeah. yeah. Oh. <laughs> or you're a genius. Uh, that's well, I, I did write it for you. I tried it. I forgot that works. Yeah. All right, number I'm five. I'm right there with Stephen Hawking. Yeah, number five. In an attempt to go perfect <laughs> for the first time. This is very important. Yeah. He could go perfect for the first time in the history of the game. Okay. okay. I, don't sneeze. Well, the history of the game is a week old. <laughs> don't, don't, just don't minimize the effort. This is a milestone. Thank you. Big for us. Thank you. Your three hints are no. books of the Bible, uh-huh. car company, uh-huh. and Peter Gabriel. Oh my God! Oh, oh, oh the Wait, pressure! Books of the Bible. Yes, it, it's a book. Now, of, Peter Gabriel is one of my favorite singers. He was in Genesis. He went to his own album. It's the Sace. Uh, it was, uh, and it's a car company. It's a car company. Yeah, Genesis. Oh! Stop the game! Wow, Sid is completely naked. Now. The first, oh. <laughs> the first perfect effort in the history of the Sid State contest <laughs> Go, goes to the yeah. one and only wow. Sid Rosenberg. Right, well, How about thank that? You. Thank you, Mike. Thanks for playing. We'll come back and wrap things up. That's a very well uh, written game, Philip. We'll come back and wrap things up right after this. It's Sid's Take, sponsored by Fearless Boilers and Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters on seventy-seven WABC. Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Entertaining and informative. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Southbury Hills, Peter Gabriel, great song. Wrapping things up. What a show today. All of our guests were great, I should say. Lou Rafino. Uh, what can I say? Great job every day. Bang up job. Great. The music was great. The back and forth. Macedonia Phil, excellent work. Justin Ellick. Doing sports and hosting the game. Terrific job. Deb Valentine, Noam Layden. We'll all be back tomorrow. So far, there'll be more. But so far, Rudy Giuliani, Joe Tacopina, and Hall of Fame running back Emmett Smith all stopping by. And again, don't forget next Thursday, it looks like, not confirmed yet, but looks like Donald Trump and Bill O'Reilly next Thursday in the 8 o'clock hour. Have yourselves a, a nice Thursday here in New York City. From all of us on Sid and the Friends in the morning to all of you until 6 a.m. tomorrow. Peace! If you had an accident, trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and they will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avvo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today, 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email them at info at gabolaw.com. That's G-A-B-O-Law.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident.